Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotti. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody. This is your good friend, Dr. David Perodin from down here in the infamous North Star Recording Studio. Wishing you well here on this December 19th. Um, some news from down here is we are um, in store for what could be the biggest snowstorm slash blizzard in probably five years. Might even be longer than that. Um, But yeah, what they are predicting for us is snowfall anywhere um, up to a foot. And granted, it would be light snow because right now it's only 14 degrees and it's going to continually drop through the next few days. Um, So that's light snow. Um, But the problem is that it will be accompanied by 50 mile per hour. Yes, all pro 1110, you heard me right. 50 mile per hour winds. Uh, So that will make, uh, you know, drifting, whiteout conditions, and then salt doesn't work on the roads um, when it gets this cold out. So we could be in for some really treacherous weather. So, yeah, we are... um, you know, hopefully we've got a little bit of traveling to do here over uh, Christmas, that that will be okay. But we've already notified people today that as far as, uh, you know, the the weekend coming up, we're going to have to just see what happens. Because obviously um, the blowing and drifting is very dangerous here. Um, and I was in a, a vehicle accident where my vehicles totaled out um, in January of 2019. Um and some rapidly changing road conditions. And that was during the day. So uh, we'll just have to see what happens, but we're certainly in store Thursday and Friday for some pretty wicked weather. We have, we have snow on the ground. So this will, uh, this will be something. Um, I do have plenty of firewood now actually contacted my firewood uh, guy today. And I said, Hey, like if we need more toward the end of the season, do you have any more? Because he said, we usually keep a few cords, back but he's he said i'm sold out like people are buying get this get this mike McClune. people are buying a face cord not a full cord a face cord of firewood for 300 dollars cash again we live close to madison so people down there kind of scrambling energy prices are up you know blackouts and all of that but uh, typically a cord of firewood would be a base cord would be anywhere from one to hundred to $130, depending on what you're getting. Red oak, oak, you know, it burns longer. If it's locust, probably a little bit less delivered. And now, um, and this is across the board. I spent time on Craigslist today, just checking out in my area, 500 bucks delivered for a full cord of like a locust and oak mix, which is crazy. And there's not a lot of people are like, they're sold out. So like I said, I'm in good shape now. I've got, uh, I've been burning through quite a bit, but I did go a little heavier on my firewood. Um, But I definitely, next year, I'm going to pick up probably two additional cords, and I'll keep those outside on the new cement slab, right, and and burn through those first. But uh, um, it it is crazy. It is. It's crazy. Um, So, 
Yeah, bitterly cold. So our wind chills here in southern Wisconsin could be minus 30 uh, for the weekend. So not that this is totally unusual. Like I said, we had a stretch in 2018 or 19. I think we had a stretch in February of 10 days where the high was like the high was like minus 20. And the city put on their website and and gave a flyer to everybody. And they said, just let your water run. Let it trickle because like water mains are breaking and we won't charge you anymore. And they also said, like, if a power pole goes down, we can't drill a hole. The ground's too too hard. So we'll just have to, like, shimmy something up. But uh, so, you know, the thing is, though, it's all it's the travel stuff. So I'm going to uh, do some shopping tomorrow, get some extra supplies here, and, uh, you know, we'll be okay. Um, but it is, yeah, it is kind of intense. Does that qualify as price gouging? You know, I don't think so, right? Because it's private market is the firewood stuff. And it's completely supply and demand. Um, it was interesting, though, Corey, because firewood after the start of the pandemic in, you know, spring of 2020, firewood was dirt cheap. Like you could pick up... Um, a, f- a full uh, so full cord is three face cord. You could pick up a full cord of firewood for a hundred, hundred twenty bucks delivered. People are doing anything for money, but now it's it's changed because I think people have a, a our energy prices have gone up here 20 percent, and then I think people have a fear of blackouts, right? So if you do have the ability to heat with wood, they're doubling down. Um, and like he said, it's just, it's what the market is. Um, and we also, I guess, are competing against the Madison area. So you might have people, and he was telling me this, you know, in the past, like you might have someone that has a two, $3 million house. And so they were already paying a premium for firewood. They would pay these guys to come in and deliver it and stack it. So, you know, for them, if you're going to, um, double the cost or triple the cost of that, that's not a big thing for them. They don't care. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm in pretty good shape. I do have um, I do have what I call burners, or just complete round pieces of wood from a tree, still in my basement, and those I'll I'll be burning here in the next week. Those will burn for a long time. But uh, lesson learned. I did I did go a little heavy on the firewood this year. I don't regret it, but I am going to go even even heavier. Um. So, yeah. Um. So that's kind of where we're at here in safety dock land. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, my, the schools will all be closed, um, because Friday they don't have schools, so they're not Thursday. I don't know. We'll see what they do. Um, Thursday, it's not supposed to hit until a little bit later. So we'll see if they run, if they run school or not. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to drive, you know, that's a thing. Uh, it's one thing if you have snow, but, uh, the, the stuff that goes across the road when it's zero degrees out that slicks over even with an all-wheel drive, just not safe. So, um, but everything, you know, everything will kind of work out well. So, um, hey, a shout-out here to Mike McClune. Um, <laughs> he bets his Uncle Ed is regretting moving back to Northwest Indiana. Three to a course, Uncle Ed. Yeah. So, I was talking today with one of my clients, you know, because I consult here in Wisconsin, also on the West Coast. It was a warm weather client. And I said, hey, we're in store for some blizzard conditions. And she said, yeah, the weather here is 80 degrees and sunny today. I said, yep. I know. I'm glad you get to enjoy that. So um, Sunflowers is saying, 
Hey, uh, safety doc, many years ago in Illinois, we opened up the garage door. All we saw was snow. We couldn't see anything else. My father had to dig a tunnel, uh, walk through it and have someone pick him up. That's crazy. Sunflowers, when I started working um, in Wisconsin, I worked toward near Marshfield, which is kind of cent- central northern Wisconsin. We had so much snow. This was the winter of, I don't know, 96, 97. My office was on the first floor, and I looked out across the field. The snow and the drifts were so high, they went above my window and my floor all the way up halfway to second floor on that side of the building. So all I all I saw was snow. So, and that was crazy. Yeah, all I all I encountered there was was snow. So the big thing here, and for anybody listening, if you do get into blizzard conditions, one please you know don't drive in those. Um, but check your your exhaust coming out of your house. We have a direct vent hot water heater, so I need to always make sure in the back of the house I've got that cleared out. Right now everything's kind of clear. There's just a little bit of snow. So, but you know things can drift. So make sure that you're going out. Checking if you're, you know, where your vents are um, around your house. And sometimes it makes sense to, you know, do that with like a plastic shovel in case you hit your siding and stuff. You're not marking it all up. Um, and then, you know, just just taking care, getting extra blankets, uh, you know, hand warmers, things like that. And, and the thing is, right, if the power goes out and it's zero degrees outside, well, you instantly have your freezer in Mother Nature. We have a big screen and porch, which we would just, you know, put stuff out there. Uh, but, you know, it's it's staying, it's uh, getting the heat, which is the the issue. So, uh, oh, my goodness, Sunflower is saying, um, I haven't got on my winter clothes. I have. So I, I have, and I've got my long johns out. I found those today. I don't wear those often. You know, maybe like 10, 15 days a year, but I've got those ready to go. And then also um, my heavy lacrosse Iceman winter boots. If those are absolutely needed, those will be ready to go. I have very thick smart wool socks. I actually ordered three more pairs today. Um, the site that it, or the smart wool has changed their socks. Believe it or not, guys, they've changed their socks. So they've gone to, you know, whatever it is now, which is a, a, a new version of their um, of their smart wall. I'm trying to get myself in the screen a little bit better here. There we go. I think that's pretty good. Um, every time I work with a client, you know, it's different. If I work in Zoom or Google Chat or whatever, or some native platform they have, like I have to re- redo. So I'm kind of centered in the screen. So, um, but yeah, it is, I ordered... So I didn't realize they discontinued the PhD socks, which really sucks because they're very well made. I've had pairs for four or five years and they're still in great shape. But I was able to find three pairs from this place, a sporting goods place, like in upper upstate New Jersey. And I contacted them and I'm like, hey, your website says you have these and will you cut me a deal because they're like end of season and well, not, I guess they're not end of season, but they're end of run. And, uh, and so they did. They gave me 15% off. And uh, I ordered all three pairs of the large that they had. Heavy, thickness, smart wool, PhD socks, which is a special um, way that they made these. I've had PhD socks for like five years, and they're still great. So, And these are heavy, so I don't know if they'll arrive by the time the cold hits, but I do have a couple pairs um, of wool socks. But uh, but we're, we're ready. Um, I typically don't wear like winter boots. It's kind of not my thing. Um, 
I do it instead. Um, I wear um, keen, just hiking shoes. Voyagers is what I wear. I really like those um, in winter. If it gets, I mean, if it gets really cold, I have uh, cleats that I put on the bottom of them that strap over. So then I'm fine, you know, on an icy pavement and stuff like that. You know, I'm not going to walk and hike with those things, but if I'm cleaning off my driveway, yeah, it's all good. And then um, it's Toy Town and Corey Slater and Sunflowers, Betting Ballistics. Hey, guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I typically am fine. Like, my feet rarely get cold. Um, so I've, I've not found a need. But I do have, like, heavy, very heavy-duty lacrosse outdoor boots um, if need be. But typically, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, and I could always just... For, for the time being, like, wear one pair of socks over another. But those smart wool, like, socks keep you pretty warm. And I've got, like, heavy choppers. And snow blowing is really difficult in high, in blizzard conditions because all the snow blows back. It's so light. It's powdery. So you end up with, with that. Um, um, but I do have enough uh, gas for you know to get me through all of this stuff um and snowblower stuff like that so we are all in all in good shape here so yeah yeah so um very cool very cool kodiak wool socks so um let's see let's see what's going on here in the chat and we'll look we'll going Andrew, our good friend Andrew, ordered a propane space heater in case the power goes out. Good move, buddy. Yeah, that's my concern here is what would happen if the power went out. You know, I can keep the fire going. I can heat that room. I wouldn't have a blower, per se, um, in that room. So, but yeah, um, what happens if the power goes out? Those of you who want to support this show in a way other than being here, which I appreciate that. I appreciate you watching the videos, watching the ads, clicking the ads, trying to buy a ballistic belt. Appreciate all of those. Um, you can also do a super chat or super sticker. We are about $31 away from the doc actually getting a payout here on December 31st, uh, which would be pretty awesome. My tax person would say, Doc, are you a YouTuber? Are you monetized? You know, Mike McLuhan and I could say yes to all of those things. And Misty, Mrs. Wayne. So, hey, it's Misty, Mrs. Wayne. Hey. So, yeah, we are, um, this is some pretty interesting stuff here with, with, uh, with the weather going on. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I'm going to make sure both of the vehicles are, are gassed up tomorrow and, and get some, uh, get some reserves here. Um, but I think we're going to be, we're going to be in an okay shape. Thankfully, like in our town, all the wires are underground. I know that doesn't mean you can't have a blackout, but, um, you know, power outage. But, um, you know, we definitely with 50 mile an hour winds, right? That would be, that would really be something. So, oh my God. Oh my God. Mike McLoon. Thank you, Mike McLoon. All right. Mike McLoon. Everybody, our good friend Mike McLuhan, that was a really generous thing to do, Mike. I appreciate that. That is awesome. A $20 super sticker from Mike. He has no question with it, no comment, no nothing. He's just like, I am Mike McLuhan, 
hey, gosh darn it, I am going to do this. Mike has been a supporter in the past of the show with super stickers. Um, and wow, Mike, that is really cool. That is really cool. Uh, we are down to eleven dollars. Uh, so yeah, that is. I mean, I'm not doing. I'm really, guys. I'm not doing this to to say like give Doc money. I, I'm really just kind of like I start the channel. We've been doing kind of and the ad revenue. You guys have been great. And I'm like, will I get to the threshold of payout? And then my tax person, who she's awesome, and I can say, uh, yeah, I. I am monetized now. But Mike McClune, thank you very much. Very much appreciate it, buddy. I, I don't have the interface up that I can do the the confetti rockets and all that. That uh, <laughs> that I had to shut that off today because it was on when I was uh, consulting. And um, I, I didn't do it. I wasn't doing confetti when I was consulting, stuff like that. But I, uh, I had to turn it off. But then now... It, I, I don't think I can turn it on like midstream. So it's kind of a quirky thing. But anyway, here. Shh, oh my God. But we have to do this. I'm going to turn. This is an honor of you. Turn and coop sign on. So uh, thank you. I'm going to give you a vote for Pedro. Hello, Mike McClune. Thank you, you gosh darn generous savings and loan from Bedford. Whoa, it's a wonderful life, Mike McClune. Look at that. You got that from this guy here. Vote for Pedro. Wow. Mike is coming to play tonight. Mike is like, we are going, we are taking this podcast to the Super Bowl. So Mike comes in as a manager. He's like, we are Super Bowl. There's This is not a rebuilding season. The Penguins back there, for goodness sake, says Mike. This is the year. So immediately that's Mike's talk. This isn't a building year. We're not trying to draft our way to success. This is it. Right now. Ronaldo. Mike McClune. He is the he, he's the hero. Now Kentucky Batman, you are the hero. So we're we're not trying to level up heroes. Both of you guys are heroes, but the Kentucky Batman. Flies a sleigh pulled by bats in Kentucky to give a bonus to the children there, all kinds of toys and stuff. So, uh, yes, the Kentucky Batman flies back in his cave, and the uh, the toys are made by bats instead of elves. So the quality is actually better. Um, a bat does does a really good job uh, with fine detail. So, look at this, you guys! Wow. All right. Thank you for the 14 thumbs up. I appreciate it, everybody. Um, so it is the Kentucky Batman was here. And then the, the Kentucky Batman. Whoa. Hey, Vanessa. Hoping you well. We are under a blizzard um, watch, but it's likely to become a warning, which would be our first blizzard here in um, at least five years. And 50 mile an hour winds, uh, a lot of snow, minus 30 wind chill. So all the makings of a full-on blizzard. I just have to make sure I take the flag in before this hits because the poles snap in half. I've lost a lot of flags in winter due to high, wind, <laughs> high winds. They get really brittle. But this makes me extra happy that I took the time to get the snow off of my landscape bushes. And I also spent time yesterday on our big spruce in the back, our 50-foot spruce. I spent a couple hours knocking the, the snow off the lower limbs. 
with a broom, taking my time to do it. And I also spread ash, firewood ash underneath. And my thought was that then anything that was dipping down was unlikely to stick into the ash um, versus like if it was just the snow. I don't know if there's any logic to that whatsoever, but that was kind of my thinking was to do that. I'm really glad that I could do that. So, but uh, wow. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Mike McLuhan. Very generous. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. Um, so one of the things I did today, which was, I don't know if it's a little bit out of character for me, but a character, right? But um, I contact, I, I changed my consulting structure. So it doesn't have, have any negative impact on the show, you know, whatsoever. But um, remember when I started to con- do my consulting in 2020, Wisconsin and California. I just kind of focus on those two states. They're really big and California is bigger, but you know, all the, I, I don't have any capacity to go beyond that. So I kind of like to keep my, and the reason I do that is there's different time zones, right? So California is two hours uh, behind in time zones. So right now it's 628 in California. So consulting, you, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do consulting in the same time zone like with multiple states, it makes sense to either do it like with East coast or out at, you know, Pacific time. So, um, I contacted my, uh, some of my clients today and I said, cause they immediately, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen when I started things back up. They said, can you, can you give us more time? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I want to, I want to keep my schedule kind of free and, I've got certain things I have to do. I'm teaching a class. I got some university hours. You know, I've got to keep free in the schedule and stuff like that. And and uh, but I contacted them today. I'll tell you guys before we get started here with our with with the real topic of the show, right? I just I think the economy is really in bad shape, and I think it's it's significantly deteriorating. When I learned today that my wood the the fireplace guy who's you know, I bought firewood for for 15 years. This is a great guy, right? You know, and and out of town, he's got his property. He's got a firewood. He said, Dave, prices have tripled, tripled in 60 days. People are paying cash. I think that is a sign of very dire economic times, right? I just think it's one of those indicators. Like, he's like, I've never seen it like this. And the guy is like 60 years old. And so I can't, this afternoon, I contacted um, you know, one of my clients and I said, I will, I will add 10 to 12 hours a week to my consulting for you. Um, are you interested? And they said, yes. Um, so I sent them my schedule and I said, it kind of has to be within this range. And oddly enough, I have Tuesdays. I have nothing booked on Tuesdays. I try to do one day off. I usually do Fridays, but, but Fridays got booked up right away. So I kept Tuesdays free. So I'm going to try to keep my Tuesday free, which isn't great, but having a day during the week free is really important because I do get my university teaching need to be available for university hours, stuff like that, whatever. But, um, but I contacted one of my clients, my, my biggest client. And I said, listen, I can give you 10 to 12 more hours a week. Um, if you want it, it's yours. And, uh, and they said, yeah, we'll take it and we'll let you know in the next week or two, really, you know, week or two, like how we're going to do that. I said, here's my schedule, figure out where you want, you know, where you want to book in times and stuff like that. Normally I wouldn't have done that. Like that really locks me in pretty tight because when I consider Pacific time, you know, that's 7.30 to 5.36 o'clock here, four days a week, right? Now, granted, I'm not driving or anything like that, but 
but the reason I'm doing it is, you know, you gotta, you gotta make hay when you can make hay. I just think things are so sketchy right now. And some of my investments, oh my God, you know, like I'm very conservative in most things, but you know, just, you know, look at Microsoft and just look at any of those stocks. Like they're just been hammered and down and, and I'm like, I've, I don't know, man. So anyway, um, I kind of vowed I wouldn't do that, but I'm going to to do that. I said today, um, and of course I do a great job. Da, da, da. But so I think Aaron Clary, uh, or I think I heard Aaron Clary to look at the exchange rate for that dock exchange rate for for uh, wood. Yeah, it's a good indicator. And again, this guy is great. Like he's, you know, he's not going to rip me off or anything. I, I know him well, and and you know, we talk throughout the year and stuff like that. But he's just like. And of course, like he said, I'll take care of you. Like I'll get you the firewood. But I already told him today, I said, set me up next year for two more cords than what I normally order. Like right off the bat, just set me up and, and, uh, and, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's a really big indicator because you would think that firewood actually would be cheap right now. You'd think that people would be cutting down, you know, dead trees and saying it's seasoned wood and just moving it really cheap to get the money. But that's not the case. The demand is really there. The demand is there because of fear. People are fearing in the short term, utility prices went up. So if they have, you know, the fireplace or wood insert, they're going to use that. They're fearing power outage. In the long term, they're fearing that new construction will have fireplaces banned like New York, Washington State, places like that. So all these things are a confluence. But the fact, as he said, in 60 days, people bought out all of his reserves. Like he has a shed, a huge shed full of this stuff. And, you know, he normally would sell stuff again for maybe a $130, you know, dollars, $150 per, depending face cord. You, read, you, you look, I mean, red oak, white oak burns, you get more BTUs out of that locust or whatever. And people be like, boom, I'll give you 500 for it. So... Um, sunflowers, the price of gas has gotten significantly lower in Illinois. I think I'll fill up my tank tomorrow. Yeah, price of gas has also dropped here. So it's one of those things that's, it, I, that is really this misleading indicator of how the economy is doing, right? Well, one is I think demand for gas has dropped off. Um, but look at what you're paying for eggs. Look at what you're paying for your elect electricity. Look at your insurance on your car in your house my property taxes went up 11 percent, which was significant for me that was a lot of money i had to write that check out this week um so you know these indicators where someone's like you know gas is down a dollar or two at the pump yeah you know how long i don't know um and yeah take advantage of it but boy if we walk into a grocery store that certainly doesn't translate um into that whatsoever so um I just said, I, I really think, uh, I just, I really think we are in store and not to be a Debbie downer. That's not the goal, but, um, I really, th I believe 2023 is going to be worse financially than 2020. Um, and as far as that worse than 2008, 2009, 2001, I think this is, this will be the worst in, in my lifetime. I honest, I honestly believe that. You know, I saw tonight on uh, on ABC News first here. Mike McLuhan, any time zone is good. Just do it with the daylight savings time. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm not a I'm not a fan of that. 
I can't wait till the only thing that makes me happy is the day that it ends in March. But otherwise, yeah, getting dark here at 420 in the afternoon is not awesome. Um, I'm with you, Mike. Um, so yeah, so everybody, you know, just just do what you can, you know, kind of be conservative and look for things and and uh even our goodwill has priced things up a little bit. So, you know, like a dress shirt, seven, eight, nine dollars. It used to be like four bucks a year ago, like literally a year ago. This it's just it's rippling everywhere. So G23, not a fan of daylight savings time. You know, in Wisconsin, you really get battered with that because of cold weather, you know, tips in with that. So I think the shortest day of the year is the 22nd, right? The solstice. So as far as like the the light. So, you know, um, Terrence Pop, yeah, in Michigan. So he's a, he's going to enjoy all the the blizzard weather that's coming over there too. Mike is saying, if the wood is standing, it's better to not cut it down when you drop it. You need to bucket and otherwise it can freeze. So good, good. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you. So thankfully the stuff I, and I do, like I said, I have a few burners. I, I really kick myself for, it was two months ago, uh, a neighbor a couple houses down was having a tree move, cut down in the front yard. And I should have just taken my wheelbarrow there and said, do you, would you mind cutting up some burners when you're cutting these this down and just throw them in a wheelbarrow and I'll take care of them. Burn, what I'm talking about burner is like 16 inches long, eight to 10 inches in diameter and just throw it in there. Like I'll come back and I'll haul it to my house. Right. And then, um, and yeah, I really re regret that I didn't do it. Cause I'm sure they would have said, sure, like no problem. Um, and even if they would have said, oh yeah, like, but you're going to owe us like 20 bucks or something. I'd be like, here's 20 bucks. Um, so, but I do have some burners, um, cause burn. So once you get the fire going for, you know, five, six, seven hours, you can throw a burner in and the fire's hot enough to just consume that. And it's kind of slows it down. But, um, man, I don't know. I don't know. Um, man against the masses. I paid 272. So yeah, this is one of those things. So my stock advisor, um, which that's coming to an end in January, <laughs> I got like two weeks left. I got to deal with that. But, um, I remember in April we were meeting and he's like, oh man, like gas is going to, you know, 150, 200 a barrel and gas will be $10 a gallon. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so, man. At least in, right now, like with this cycle, I don't see it. I see gas like getting high, but then like things waning off. Like, right, the economy is going to like drive things down. And, you know, I don't know all the levers that manipulate gas, but I mean, I just don't see it. So egg price of eggs, right, Vanessa? So the real economy of when you're going in and buying stuff, even soda, I mean, the, you know, uh, six pack of Mountain Dew and Pepsi, right? A uh, bag of Doritos for five bucks. I mean, these things are crazy. So shelf yesterday, no cat litter at the grocery store. Yeah. So we have three cats and I always keep three 50 pound bags in reserve. Always. Um, in case we do, you know, get a run on cat litter that I can get us through. Um, one bag will usually last us about two weeks, but I always keep three bags in my firewood room, three bags of cat litter. Um, so, yeah, our Aldi's is busy as heck. Um, I have to get some AA batteries too. So, 
Let me do that right now, guys. Let me put this on because I'm not going to remember it otherwise. And uh, so let me see here. I, what I what I do now is I go into my Samsung Notes and I put in my uh, my shopping list. And actually, that, it works great. Like it's really because then I can think in the moment and what do I have to add here? Batteries. Um, I've been buying myself beef jerky. It's a little treat for my consulting. So <laughs> like I'm putting in the time, I'm going to get some beef jerky. All hail the Harris administration. It's rough times. It's rough times, guys. But stay stay focused. Stay focused. But I, I to be honest with you, like I said, I, I expect it between now and the election in 2024 just to be just to be the roller coaster that's had entropy. Nobody's maintained it. You have no speed adjustment on it, and it's just going to go bad. Um, that's what I expect. So, yeah. Um, oil, oil dry is the same as uh, litter here, but a little dust here. So, yeah, I do have, uh, actually, I do have a bag of oil dry out in the garage, which I could push into reserve if if I had to do. So, um, specialty boutiques, downtown hardware store, too far to walk. Specialty boutiques. So, this is one thing. So tonight on ABC News, so David Muir, you know, what is it? Once a week does Made in America. And then they highlight some company, you know, some company or some business, right? And it's like, you know, this business is doing whatever and they have eight employees. And I don't know about you, but here's my reaction. When I watch that, I'm like, you know, it's usually soap, cards, jellies and jams, um, or like, you know, someone who's making a Made in America t-shirt that sells for like a hundred dollars. So I'm like, none of this is really an industry. No one has started a business that employs like a thousand people and actually makes, you know, like it's cards and crafts is basically what it is. Like this company here in, you know, Eastern Oregon, uh, this family owned company and employ three people, they make custom soaps in these molds of, you know, like birds and you can order them and they ship them around the world. I'm like, well, that's interesting, right? But that's not really... To say that's a made in America and you know, that's a that's a whole piece here, like, dude, that's that's not the deal. I want to find the business that's making, you know, like trailers or something like that that you can, you know, you know, utility trailers. You're, you put buying cars or something like that, or whatever it is. Like, but they're they're welding it, they're they're making it, they're selling it here, um, because otherwise, all this stuff is basically just stuff I could get at a farmer's market. So I just think it's really a, a, a the piece is is tone deaf. I think it's it's horrible when they do that, and they did it tonight. At ABC News again. You know, it's like, hey, you know, here's a business. You know, and they you know they make a custom hand lotion, and they got two people working for them. And I'm like, dude, like the economy is horrible. It's getting worse. Like, tell me about somebody who is you know manufacturing whatever X Y Z right to help people out like his companies forging, you know, out of burnt or melted down railroad ties, these heavy duty shovels so people can, you know, do gardening. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Like I get that and get into that. I don't know. Not a big fan of that. So Mike is like, look at this gas and PA 373 a gallon. Your gas has been low. It's been under $3 here. I don't drive a lot. <laughs> like I said, I, I literally will have to fill my car up once a month. 
like if that i know i have to like burn the gas through so i gotta kind of find trips to take like oh i gotta i gotta drive here to like you know get something um drive to menards in the town over or something like that so um gas is really kind of a, a non-factor directly although it's indirectly a factor you know for the cost that we get charged but thankfully i'm not commuting anywhere i commute down here to this this office which is really a luxury to be able as much as you know i look at my schedule for consulting some days and i'm like oh god you know 7 30 to 5 at night or something and like that's a lot of meetings to have it's a lot to keep track of there's a lot of prep but i'm like when I'm done, I'm walking upstairs. I'm not getting in the car. I'm not having to fight traffic for an hour, put myself at risk. Um, I'm not having to go to some meeting where we're talking about, oh, like, let's talk about the culture here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the only guy doing the culture, and culture is pretty good here in the Safety Doc Studio. So um, I'm just thankful, honestly, that I have this opportunity. And I'm so thankful, guys, if you ever leave a job that there's any remote chance that you might go back to, leave on good terms. Now, when I left my clients, it was really great terms, right? They were sad, and I think they were nervous because they're like, well, Dave knows what he's doing. He knows, you know, special ed law and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you got it. Um, you know, you'll be all right. There's somebody out there. If I'm not here, there's there's a, somebody else. Um, but, you know, really left on good terms. Been great to work with you. Got everything buttoned up. You know, if there's anything after the fact, get a hold of me. It's not like I'm going to bill you extra if you find something. Um and and then so when I returned, right, you know, it was an easy return because oh, we liked working with that guy. We left on good, you know, left on good terms. And plus, I left to write a book and do a book tour. So I mean, it's a pretty good excuse, you know. I mean, it's a it's a real excuse. It's authentic. It's not just say, oh, I got I got burned out and I needed a year off, which was not the fact. You know, I was actually doing all the book stuff and I had my time deadlines, stuff like that, and was narrating and but. Uh, but let me get through here. Food dehydrator. I had a food dehydrator that started on fire when I lived in an apartment in Stevens Point. It started on fire, and I got, I got to it just in time. Um, but, yeah, I was on the counter. Food dehydrator started on fire. Cora is a bad experience. It's kind of rude me for life. Uh, jerky. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Worcestershire sauce and salt. Picked up sodas are good for Mike McLuhan for... This Saturday paid seven bucks per 12 pack of Coke. Yeah, Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola as a stock has done really well. One of those stocks I brought up to my invest, my stock advisor, and I said, hey, like Coke seems like a pretty good stock two years ago. And he's like, yeah, no, it's all kind of seasonal. I'm like, yeah, but it pays a dividend. Anyway, um, 30 pack of PBRs. So holy smokes, you guys. Paps Blue Ribbon. So, um, Joe Morris in the house. A sixer of Nagra Madella was my treat beer for Monday. So, Dragon's Milk Stout and Delirium Noctorium. So, guys, I did do the, uh, remember, I was, before we get into the, today's show, which I say 40 minutes in, I uh, I got my CB, not my CBD, I got my Delta H gummy order on uh, Tuesday. And, uh, and, it was potent. So uh, I was going to do like a show on it and everything like that. But, uh, but wow, like it was, it kind of threw me for a loop. So very effective. Um, and I, I bought the higher dose right off the bat instead of like coming in at the normal dose <laughs> level. 
and uh and i was i was pretty floored for um you know and i was i was at home but for maybe eight to ten hours so it was pretty crazy stuff man pretty crazy stuff so eight to ten hours so i think it's very you know it's potent now i kind of know what it does i would start out you know with maybe a third of it but uh because it, it goes through your digestive system so it's it's really there were here's some things i noticed about it one when i watch stuff on youtube or on the news it seemed like i had already seen it even though it was real time and like i was predicting what was going to happen it was just a really weird thing like but i everything was like i was like it already had happened um and i had this previous knowledge that was one effect and then um and then the the other effect was just kind of this this strange proprioception of kind of like what's around you it wasn't like a stumbling or stuff like that but it was just um but i was like whoa anyway um andrew's saying the high price of soda proves they can't make the formula cheaper maybe it's a good thing so Mike is like, I usually don't keep soda at the house, but we were having company on Saturday and Christmas Eve. So I admit, in summer, I don't really drink soda. I drink just water and tea, like iced tea, but not like calorie iced tea, just like tea that's cold. Um, in winter, I will drink usually one soda a day, either Mountain Dew or Pepsi. I know I shouldn't, but, you know, it's, it's just kind of the way it is here in Wisconsin. It's the agorizer. I've never left a position in a way that I couldn't go back. And I've returned to jobs twice. Yeah. I'm so glad. I didn't really have any reason to do any of that with, uh, you know, with this situation. But uh, I've known people who have burned the bridge. You know, they've they've gone down into the uh, river then and just, you know, disbanded any pieces remaining of the bridge. <laughs> They've salted the earth so nothing grows. I mean, I've known people who have done that. I'm like, whoa. Um, but yeah, you know, this was this was all good. And I let people know plenty of time in advance and transitioned them out. But uh, but when they were ready to get back, um, it was an easy, you know, the relationship is the big thing. If they trust you, um, you know, that you do a good job for them, they like working with you. Whoa, Doc, I got one of those magic gummies gives you psychic powers for a few years. I do have nine left. I used one. I have nine left. Um, so it's something I think I would use if I was having like a migraine headache um, or I was like really achy. Um, I wouldn't use it kind of on a recreational basis. Um, but I, I was very like coherent, you know, throughout the whole process. But it was a really strange thing, Joe, was I was able to see that uh, I was able to watch things or I watched things and it seemed like I had already watched them, but it was like, Oh, just release 11 minutes ago. Dan from I allegedly. And I'm like, I watched him like, Oh, I already saw this. And it's like, well, I didn't know. I didn't see that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I was really looking into that for the, the ability to kind of mitigate migraines or, you know, if there was kind of severe, not severe, but more intense fatigue to kind of get through that. But uh, so I, anyway, I was, I was satisfied. It certainly did have an impact because it's, it, it takes about two hours for it to start to have an impact when you do a, a gummy, just to know that. And then I was kind of like, when will, when will this end? And it, yeah, it's about eight to 10 hours. G23, I've torched the bridge with a company because I 
had to sue them for paying overtime. Well, in that case, bring out that torch, buddy. Yeah. There are, there are instances where I knew I wasn't coming back and things were in a very bad state. <laughs> I wouldn't say I torched it, but it was very clear of saying, I'm out of here. You know, you run into these things of uh, non-disclosure agreements and you don't want anyone to... You don't want to publicly say anything bad about anyone because you don't want to be sued. But, uh, but I've, I've pretty, in some instances, I've made it clear as I'm exiting, I will not be back in these parts ever again. I'm talking about that. We have a show starting here at the 45 minute mark. So look at Alpha's Burn Bridges. So failure isn't an option. It's Andrew. Yeah. Well, I think if there's people, if I'm in an, if I'm in a client relationship, right, that I'm consulting and I don't think it's working out or, you know, I feel that I'm not being, I don't know, respected because I, I can take anybody, right? I mean, there's a long list of people that there's a, you know, that would do this for the specialty area that I have, special education law in those areas. So, um, I would just discontinue it. I, I, I wouldn't do it. It's kind of like Chad Elkins. Like I would pick and choose my clients, which I, which I did now. Like, you know, I think I have the best clients out there. So they're great to work with. Um, but uh, so we have guys, dun, 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 opioid emergencies in K-12 schools. So I, wa I want to talk about this because um, I think what, is what's happening very quickly in schools across the nation, not only Los Angeles. Yeah, Los Angeles is a big profile, but schools are putting Narcan or Noxalone, which is generic Narcan, in like the cabinet where the AED is. They're saying, here it is, and use it if you have to. They're doing some training, but otherwise they're not. And we're going to get into this right now of of what this looks like, um, the arguments that are coming up for and against this. It's a case study I'm actually going to use in one of my classes. But uh, let me let me start us out. On September 7th, 2022, Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin introduced Bill 4794, Naloxone, which is generic Narcan, Education and Access. The bill reauthorizes through fiscal year 2027, 20, so meaning if it passed, it'd be funded through 2027, expands eligibility for and otherwise makes changes to a grant program that supports access to medications that reverse opioid overdoses. Example, naloxone. What might this mean for K-12 schools? So um, before I get into the numbers, Narcan's um, generic Narcan naloxone is pretty cheap. It's like $25 a dose. And that's even now with the, with the supply chain. The issue is you might not be able to get it or not. So, um, but it is pretty, it relatively is pretty cheap. It's about $25. So, um, it's a Kentucky Batman. Do we need to fight the snowstorm off? If you could, if you could move it just a little south of my area, Batman, I would appreciate that. Make sure it's not sticking around on Saturday because I might have to do a little traveling. That depends. It's our good friend, Bacon. So, Bacon. Um, opioid use data, according to 2017 final report of the President's Commission. This is one of those weird things where I have to start quoting back to stuff before the pandemic because during the pandemic, all of the data just looks garbage. So 
And I think it'll be that way for a few years. If you're quoting any data like, oh, on air travel on this or whatever, like you can't quote 2020 and 21 because it's all messed up. So anyway, um, according to the President's Commission on Combating Drug Addiction Opioid Crisis, in 2016, an estimated 239,000 adolescents aged 12 to 17 were current misusers of pain relievers. Um, and then it goes on. But anyway, it's saying, um, the use of um, what oxycodone, heroin, morphine—you know these these different opioid classes—and of course now fentanyl is a big um, concern. So opioids have been increasing in schools. Um, the you know presence of opioids, opioid overdoses. So and there's also the issue now with fentanyl that not only at a playground at a school, right? Um, you know, it's not that you have a first person user who's who's doing that. You're probably not having a second grader who's using opioids, but you could have a second grader in a playground and on the weekend, that's where people are gathering to exchange fentanyl or whatever, and there's fentanyl on a swing set, and suddenly a kid is makes contact with that and now you know they have a reaction to fentanyl. These things are happening. So the Los Angeles uh, Unified School District became the latest to do so. Last month, they they made a standing order for naloxone. They would stock the drug. They would train qualified staff to use it. I don't know who's qualified staff. I think that gets tricky. Um, and it was part of their thing of saying, we are going to reduce this epidemic of overdoses. Other districts in Des Moines, Iowa, and Denver have also done this. They've stocked naloxone. So I think here's one thing right off the bat. If you're saying we're going to do this, we're going to train qualified staff. Who's qualified? It's like, we're going to train qualified staff to use the AAD. Well, that doesn't make sense. Like you're going to train either everybody to use AAD or else AAD is self-explanatory. Like, you know, um, fire extinguisher in a hallway, whatever. Like some of these things have to be kind of universal. So I I don't like this term here, qualified staff, but I kind of get it. So, So let's get into, there's a bill, this bill I just talked about, Senator Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin. The bill would amend the existing Public Health Services Act. And what it would basically change is instead of saying a pharmacy needs to prescribe naloxone, it would say you can buy naloxone over the counter. So that's really the biggest change. And then it also would extend the Good Samaritan rules to people administering Narcan or naloxone, same thing, right? Naloxone is generic Narcan. The deal is though, like that's a state thing. Good Samaritan is state by state. So that's that's a big thing on here. But um, so you'd have to have the states kind of take that up. But uh, so, but she's trying to get this federal bill of saying, hey, schools, and it's not only schools, it's like schools, post offices, public ins- institutions. It goes to tribes, you know, Native American tribes if they have a you know council meeting building or something like that um so public buildings right and i'm like okay kind of see where you're going here so there's a bill and if this passed schools would legally have what's called a standing order again a standing order is if it's in the law so if you were to administer an aed when they first came out, um, you know, the defibrillator, you would have needed to be trained on that. And very few people would have had those. So you go back to like the TV show emergency, which was like Mike McClune's favorite show. 
But, um, you know, not everyone could just grab an AED and use it. So you had to have kind of an order or training to do that. And another thing is like an EpiPen, a lot of schools in the last 10 years and a lot of states went to what's called a standing order for an EpiPen. You can buy an EpiPen at a pharmacy without a prescription, about a hundred bucks. But um, so the deal here is saying, let's make naloxone and Narcan where you don't need a prescription and anybody can administer it because it's going to save lives. Okay, I get it. I mean, I get that argument. Um, and meaning like then, in, you know, you can legally put it in these places, libraries, schools, stuff like that. Okay, I get it. Um, here's some considerations though for schools. Like if you're really thinking about doing this in schools. So this is good. So um, G23, thanks for pointing this out. Yes, AEDs will walk you through the process. They, you know, if you open it up, the cabinet does have pictures. It does have voice that says, put the pads on the person here where there's a little diagram and it flashes, like put them here, you know, and then at the beep, you know, press this button or, you know, it steps you through that. So it's very similar as what they're trying to get to with, um, with Narcan. And we talked earlier in a different show about um, in Cincinnati, they have vending machines where you can get Narcan and fentanyl testing strips for free, but then there's a number you call, there's like a phone on the side and they get some information from you. They don't charge you, but they're like, you know, they, I guess they ask you a series of questions. They're trying to figure out like who's using these machines. So, so some questions are going to come up one in the school community. And I'll be working with this in spring in my aspiring school leaders classes. So look at this. It's Ron Wayne. I've been binging emergency. Oh God. I love it. Ron, by the way, there was a 48 hour emergency marathon when I was in college on TV. And I watched all 48 hours, every episode. Um, it was worth it. I, um, but yeah, I watched every episode. Pizza, Mountain Dew, man, whatever it took. It, toward the end, like I was just, I was ready for it to be done. But I love the TV show Emergency. So you know what I'm talking about. Um, so for schools, one is, okay, if you get a federal bill passed saying you can have Narcan available without an order, you still have to get like your, you have to know where your state, their position is on that. Now, again, Narcan in and of itself isn't other, other than right now, it's through a prescription. Um, it's not illegal to own. It's not like having THC or something that'd be a felony drug. You know, no one's going to really steal Narcan, right? And try to resell it or get a high off Narcan. It doesn't work that way. So, but you still have to deal with the state. So that's one thing for the schools is they're going to get pressure because the feds might pass something and then the states, they got to figure out where the states lie on this, right? Because what if, here's a scenario, what if schools start to put Narcan in their AED boxes around campus and then, you know, somebody instead a student or staff or adults or whatever goes into this Narcan instead of calling 911. You know what I'm saying is they're like, I know that this Narcan is there. So if I overdose, I'll just go there and then it'll reverse it. But then their lawyer could say, yeah, but this, the, the you know, by doing this, really this person should be calling 911. They shouldn't be trying to find the Narcan that's in the school AED box. So, like schools need clarity on this. So this is one thing where the feds might come out and pass this and say, we'll fund it. We'll give you your NARC. We'll give you an allowance for, you know, Narcan again, which is pretty cheap. 
but um, but that's an issue. So the other, you know, some other things are perception. Does a school, how how is a school board going to do this? It's Uke. My gosh, that's Steve loving guy right there. Helping out, making staves for the greater community. It's Uke. Um, so how does it look to have this from a, from just kind of a perception standpoint in your district? Are you saying we have surrendered the efforts to mitigate um, opioids, right? We're, we're now on this of trying to reverse the effects. I'm just saying people will come up and will ask this at board meetings. Um, so you have to have a response to that you have to be ready for that. And as a school, not all schools are going to be on board with this. I can tell you that right now that is, they will not all schools will be on board with this. Um, so, you know, the argument I think is going to be, if you have this, then you can, you know, hopefully prevent an overdose death. That person would have more time to get access to services so during that time frame, hopefully they get connected to services or something. So then they, they would change their tra trajectory and not have another overdose that would take their potentially take their life. Right. Um, but school officials are going to ask like, um, what, if, so what's the deal? What if some, what if someone overdoses, they're suspected of overdosing and it's a high, it's a high schooler and another high schooler runs to the AD cabinet pulls out the Narcan and administers it. So now you have a one 17-year-old administering Narcan to another 17-year-old. What does that look like legally? Um, and so these are questions that need to be answered, right? Do you just say it has to be an adult and is the adult trained? Or again, it's kind of like, you know, pulling a fire alarm when I ask my school administrators, I'm like, who has discretion to pull a fire alarm in your school? And they're like, anybody does. I'm like, yeah, but really they don't. If you actually ask people, if you survey them on an anonymous survey, just out to your staff, or you just ask people individually and say, you know, what would you do if there was a fire, right? They would, 81% of people say, I'd find an administrator. So I'm like, so where do you fall on this? Where did things go? And so these are questions that need to be answered. So that's where like this federal bill is going to have a lot of things that have to be follow up with it. So, um, so Vanessa's saying, um, Hey, Vanessa's saying have first aid kits in your vehicle workshop. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's amazing too, that we don't require first aid training for a lot of pr professions. It's not required in schools, at least in my state. Um, I've known a lot of people with opioid addiction. A lot of people have died from it. Yep. I worked with a lady and her son and uh, his wife died while I was working with her a few years ago um, from opioid overdose. So just absolutely, absolutely devastating. Um, first one was a kid. I went to high school. He was a 15 died of overdose in the school bathroom. He was found still alive, but unresponsive, but the school was unequipped to handle the situation. So this is the argument coming out of saying, Listen, this is happening. So let's get the Narcan, the naloxone in the schools and in the libraries, right? And in the post offices, I guess. But um, but probably libraries and schools are the two biggest, biggest pushes to, you know, where to put these. But right now, you know, we're really talking the schools, right? Like put these in schools. And do you put them only in high school or are you putting these in elementary? 
it's unlikely an elementary student might have one, but a staff member, a parent coming in, you know, somebody using the building after hours, I don't know. By the time the paramedic showed up, he was gone. So sad, so sad. Um, don't know if there was Narcan back in 95. Yeah, I don't know if it, or see it was readily available. So right now with this bill, um, Senator Baldwin is saying, listen, let's make it a standing order. And then who knows if it'll say $25, right? The the companies that make the the naloxone stuff, you know, maybe that'll go up. I don't know. But but right now it's like it's about 25 bucks. So um yeah. So schools are responsible for your children while they're in their care. So, you know, Corey is saying, you know, what's it's a good point, Corey. Like, you know, I would look at this. So the question would be like, what would Doc do about this? And I would say, I would put the naloxone in uh, in the AED cabinets. The AED cabinets have kind of evolved in a lot of schools to become like the safety cabinet. Like the AED is there. The first aid kit is there. Um, epinephrine, right? An EpiPen is usually there. It's kind of like just morphed into this like area. And that's what I would do. I wouldn't spread these things around like, oh, it's a scavenger hunt. Like the EpiPen's down that hallway and the AED's over here and the first aid kit's over here. Like put it all together. But, um, but I would do it. I would do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, what the thing is like, once you do that, you'll never go back. Like there will never be a time when that, when that AED cabinet, you know, eventually, you know, last five, 10 years, then the EpiPen went in it and that will, that will always be there. And now the, the Narcan is in there. That will always be there. So it's one of these things too, of like, you, you can't put the, once a genie is out of the bottle, you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. So culturally, and you know, it is, this, it's a shift for schools, but right. Um, you got to realize this is happening. It's in concert with whatever efforts you're doing. But um, yeah, I would say, I would say go for it, you know. Um, you know, interesting thing, Mike, with a fire extinguisher, right? It's like, I've never... I train people on how to use a fire extinguisher and I was a firefighter, um, but I train people on how to use it in a school setting. I've never, I've never been in a school that's brought in firefighters to train people how to use a fire extinguisher. Right. Even the fact of like aim at the base and there's always an exit between you and the fire. So your back should be to the exit and you should be facing the fire kind of like at an, at an angle. Right. But, but uh, like those things are never, never taught. So we have these fire extinguishers and yeah, it's just kind of crazy. But um, I have three fire extinguishers in my home. And uh, yeah, very good. I've, I think I've got three here. Also got one just around the corner, a bigger one. Um, can probably never have enough of those. Um, I have a couple of friends currently recovering from heroin addiction. This is Joe. My buddy's wife keeps Narcan for him now and showed me where it was. Yep. So, you know, one of the questions here is should Narcan just be a standing order that you can get Narcan or Naloxone, which is the generic Narcan, and it's just over the counter. That's where this federal bill is by Tammy Baldwin. There might be others. I think the answer is yes. You should do, you know, it should pass. For schools, you got to talk to your insurance company. Who do you train? What if a 17-year-old administers naloxone to another student, right? Are you, what does that look like from a liability insurance? Are you training? Are you telling students? Are you telling high school students? 
you know, because that's one thing like high school students rarely get told, oh, you can activate the intruder alarm or the fire alarm. Like they don't think they have the authority to do that. So would you say you have the authority to grab the first aid kit or you have the authority to use AD or naloxone or the EpiPen? So these are things that have to come into handbooks, professional development. Um, they're not there. I can tell you right now, I don't, I don't know of one school where they've overtly said or trained anybody who's a student to say you can use an EpiPen. But, you know, right, there could be many situations when that would happen through, you know, times in school or athletic or something, event or, but, you know, is it going to be where someone is going to try to to find a staff member and then try to get that staff member compelled to administer the EpiPen? So these will be, these will be big questions. Um, so you're ultimately, as I said with this, um, so this is, this is readiness and emergency management their statement on this. They have a really nice guidance document, um, which I reference in the blog post, which will be out tomorrow. Here's what they say for naloxone in schools. Identify with general counsel and inform the campus community about state Good Samaritan laws that provide immunity from arrest. Now, remember we talked with Lisa Lenny on the show, Attorney Lisa Lenny. That's not as clear as what you would think. And when is the last time any of us, G23, Andrew, Vanessa, Joe, Mike, when have you ever seen a commercial, a 30-minute public service commercial of, hey, like your state has good Samaritan, or our state has good Samaritan laws. So if you see an accident or if you see, you know, somebody joking, you can do the Heimlich or whatever in the good Samaritan law, like that's nowhere. That not only should be a day, a good Samaritan day, it should be like a, a week or even like a month. We have like allergy month. We have all these different different things. But there should be something where each state reviews their Good Samaritan laws and immunity and kind of and gives examples, right, of some of that. Um, so that's kind of bothersome. I think that needs to be part of this. So when I see this bill, I, I read through the whole bill. It wasn't very long. I'm like, you know, the problem with this is what Lisa pointed out. If this doesn't couple with like global first aid training or like some public recognition of, you know, public service of like how the good Samaritan law works. Like people will kind of be like, I'm not sure I'm going to administer Narcan because maybe I'll get sued. What if I do it wrong? You know? Um, or what if they have a worse reaction? What if they don't come out of it or whatever, you know? So all these people would rather not do that. And there's, there's, that's, that's legitimate thinking unless you've overtly, been educated on like Good Samaritan law and some of those things. So I think there's a piece missing in this and schools definitely want to nail that Good Samaritan law interpretation down. Um, so, okay. So anyway, this is from the readiness and emergency management from the U S government identify with general counsel and inform the campus community about state Good Samaritan laws that provide immunity from arrest, charge or prosecution for certain drug offenses for a person experiencing an overdose or witnessing another person experiencing an overdose who seeks medical attention. What that's really saying is it's between you and your legal counsel for your district. I don't like that. That's the same thing that, that politicians do with EpiPens, with first aid, with everything is they're like, okay, you know, like it's up to you on how you're going to interpret this. And I'm like, but that's, you know, that's not legit. You've got to overtly 
tell people the Good Samaritan law applies to them if they grab Narcan and they believe someone is having an overdose and they administer it, um, you know, that they will not be sued. And that's not part of this. And I'm not saying this is part of these campaigns. That's the part that keeps people on the sidelines. And there's also this part, too, of like, you know, there should be in Cincinnati, they in the vending machine, they also have gloves, like a higher mill rate glove. So if there is fentanyl on that person, that it's not transferring to you or they have a mask, all stuff. But um, so, so here we are. We here we are. We are in 2022, the end of 2022, Los Angeles schools, um, Des Moines, Iowa, Denver, to name a few, are stocking naloxone in their schools. Anybody who's trained apparently can use this, but you're charging you for it. There's a bill by Tammy Baldwin, uh, Senator Baldwin, um, trying to get federal passage of a standing order for naloxone in public places. Uh, also, it extends to Indian reservations. And But um, so you could have naloxone at your post office, at a school, right? At your library. That's most likely where it would be. Um, and then, you know, does, it looks like the feds fund this. How does it get? So are you putting in an order then if you're a library or a school and it gets sent to you? And then what do you have to track on that? You know, so this is all fuzzy stuff. Like, you know, I think of those things. I walk around my neighborhood. You know, you probably see these things too. It's like, oh, it's like the the little red library. It's like the box on a stick. And it's, uh, I, I know there's a better name for this, like the little library house or whatever. And there's like 20 books inside. It's like, take a book and it's yours, you know, and return it if you want or like leave another one. And I'm like, the thing is like, I've never seen anybody really take advantage of that. You know, like I get the idea. Now they've changed those two where it's like, it's not only books, but you know, there's like a couple cans of soup in there and, you know, some things like that and, you know, some deodorant and stuff like that. So if you need these things, you know, you just, just take them. Um, so is this, kind of where we're headed on some of this stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, as I said, I think one of the biggest liabilities on this, that's not being talked about would be what if somebody says, I went to the library or the post office or the school to get the naloxone because I was having an overdose or my friend here was having an overdose. And that person dies because you're spending this time doing that. And then a lawyer takes on a case and says, you know, you put these things in these places, but you never had a real education campaign. And also saying the first thing you should do is call 911, but these people probably don't want to call 911. Right. But um, so, you know, what I'm saying is like, instead of calling 911, you're, telling someone drive 15 minutes over there to the school or the library and get your naloxone. Um, you're, you're kind of subtly telling them that through the way that you're doing this. So I have a, I have a lot to talk about with my aspiring school leaders in the spring semester on this, because I think the bill will pass. I think the bill will pass. I think the state where I live, Wisconsin will be kind of contested on this. I, I don't see this as a first time, breeze through passing type of thing. Um, we'll see where things go, but, uh, yeah, I, um, what would you do? So let me go over to the chat here. What would you guys do in your community? If they held a 
a forum and they said, hey, you know, Mike and Bacon and Joe and Vanessa, you know, what do you think? Should we put this in the school? Should we put it in the libraries? Would you administer it if you saw someone who you thought was doing an overdose as you're going to the post office to buy stamps? You know, I don't know. What what do you what do you guys think about this? What am I missing? This is Joe. You have a couple of friends currently recovering from heroin. My buddy is what got that one before. Sorry about it. Um this is Yuke. Joe, I've got an ex who was a heroin addict, and it got to the point where I got some Narcan to keep on hand just in case of stupid ODs. Yeah. Yeah. Um and are we gonna have a public service? You know, even like a a commercial of someone administering Narcan, would that go too far? I mean, I've seen a lot of commercials that seem to go too far, but would that seem logical? Should that be a part of this? I would say yes. Um, Mike is saying, I have three fire extinguishers in the house, one in the garage. Well, so you have two in the house, one in the garage, but you can never have enough. Um, so... Never have enough fire extinguishers. Joe, it's pretty messed up. We've been conditioned to not help each other under threat of legal action because sometimes survivors will sue those who helped. Yeah. Yuke, this is right on. Thank you so much for posting this. This is the question that is going to be asked by every school administrator out there. They're going to ask their lawyer. And then they're going to, school board's going to ask the lawyer, they're going to, you know, say, hey, but, you know, what if we, what if this happens? And and before it was Narcan, before it was Narcan, it was EpiPens. What if we administer an EpiPen to someone who has an allergic reaction to peanuts or shellfish or whatever, right? And, uh, you know, so, or we administer an AED and somebody dies and there's someone who testifies as an expert witness and says, well, the AED actually sent them into dysrhythmia and killed them. I mean, or, you know, if you administer, it was all these things too, you know, somebody is pulled from a fiery wreck, right? And then, you know, they sue the person and say, my spine is messed up because you pulled me from this thing. And you're like, well, the thing was on fire. I thought it could explode. And then there's an expert witness. A witness is brought in from the, the plaintiff, right? And they're saying, well, you know, this this was only burning here in, in the seats or whatever. And that's not likely to cause an explosion. Well, in the moment, you don't know that, right? You're trying to get this person away. But that's where, when have we seen Vanessa, Ron Wayne, the Kentucky Batman, all you guys, we haven't seen states and the states are the ones for Good Samaritan. It's not federal, state. We haven't seen states proactively get on their horse on this and do commercials or a Good Samaritan day or week or month and say, listen, yeah, you come over a hill and there's a car flipped over and, you know, you decide to stop and help Good Samaritan law, right? If you are trying to stop, you know, someone bleeding or if the vehicle gets started on fire and you, you get them away from it or, you know, whatever it is or administering an AED or an EpiPen. Or, um, but that's the part that really floors me on this, is we see these bills come out, and we don't see anything that comes with, there will be this education component that's coming out. So, right, like if I'm a school, if I'm a school administrator in this, I'm like, what's the state doing to educate people about the Good Samaritan Law? Like, who has my staff members back? So if my high school math teacher administers Narcan, they don't have to freak out about being sued a month later. And then 
Are they getting their own legal counsel? Is the school picking that up? Like, how does this work? Like, clarify these questions for me. I want to know. So you bring in the school's insurance carrier. Is there like a state bill that provides some, you know, heightened level of a defense on that? So because otherwise, right, it would just, it wouldn't make any, I mean, you'd have to risk analysis, everything in this litigious society. And you'd have to say, I, I just don't know. I mean, am I, am I opening myself up to all of these things? And I'm saying that can be mitigated if the states would stand up and be overt in their, their good Samaritan laws that are on the books of saying, here's what it is. And I know they don't want to give an example in a commercial. You know, the example most of us would see, you, you come around a corner, someone looks like they've OD'd, there's like a, uh, there's a needle there, right? Or you, you've come upon a car accident, whatever it is. Nobody wants to, to deal with that because they're saying, oh, like, but things might not play out that way. We don't want to do an exemplar and have everybody benchmark to it. So, but, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's that's a big part that's missing. So schools will will continue to press this as much as they as much as they can so um yeah yeah so um thank you everybody for supporting the the show by the way through watching the ads for being here we're up to 1258 subscribers i'd be thrilled i'd be thrilled if we got to 1260 um but I know, you know I can see you know, ad revenue, right? And but it's about recognizing the channel, recognizing all of us as a community. You know, there'll be a full blog post. I already wrote it. Comes out with this, 199 episodes as of tonight. Soon we'll have 200. I'm bringing more guests on the show, so it's really a good scholarly thing when we have so much that is just out there for pure short-term entertainment or just pollution, right? This is. You know, when you guys are in here and what you're sharing, I mean, it shapes a lot of the stuff that I do. You make me a better person, a better university instructor by far. Um, but I think we all work together on something that is contributing to like the scholarly knowledge base, which is really rare these days <laughs> to do that. So I'm just thankful for all of you. Vanessa, you know, Yuke, Mike, um, Andrew. So thank you guys so much. You know, a TikTok ad, Ron has got it. Um, you know, government gets together. Oh, we got TikTok influencer, influencers. Uh, you know how to get people to wear a mask or something. It's like get, get a get your influencers together. And I mean, I'm not a big fan of TikTok, but TikTok or YouTube Shorts. But have them do something on the Good Samaritan law. I mean, people in 30 seconds, right? You can cut together some awesome stuff. But I think we should have a Good Samaritan day. I think all of these bills are. Um, hamstrung unless you pair them to a formal good samaritan day or i would even say week or i would put that even as a month if you're kind of to do like good samaritan you know we do allergy month is april um you could do like uh, i don't know if it would be first aid in good samaritan right um and cpr i don't know if you roll it all in what that would look like but into a week or a month we don't do it so as these bills get passed, people are short-sighted when they miss out on these things because all of you have pointed it out. People measure their responses and they're like, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this. If you're a high schooler, 
and that Narcan is there and someone overdosed, maybe as a teacher that's overdosed. I don't know in their parking lot. You, you, you can grab that Narcan and get it out there. Um, am I going to get in trouble for this? Do, am I, am I authorized to have discretion to use this? They don't know. They don't know. You have a substitute staff member. You have a staff member who's new to it. They don't know. So this is the issue. So yes, a standing order that helps. Um, it's not really cross prohibitive, you know, EBI pens are very, you know, they're four times more expensive, but, um, yeah, I'm just, if we don't put the two together, the, this good Samaritan part of this, this whole thing falls apart. Um, so Joe Morris, I miss that. I don't have my ability to do like the cannon of confetti. So keep Narcan in the hands of first responders, security personnel and school nurses, trained teachers and men. So, which would be a good, a good step. Cause right now, again, it's first responders um, have it. If you moved it to more of a standing order, you could get it, you could get it out there into school buildings. So um, you have some people clearly, and I get this, it's a, you feel defeated. You're like, I never thought we'd get to this point. I never thought we'd get to, you know, I guess it's one thing with EpiPens, right? Because, you know, you don't know if you're going to have a food allergy or allergic reaction to, to something. But but this, you know, this looks like a, this is a societal thing. You know, it looks like we are acquiescing to something that's just overtaken us in society. I get it. I get where you're coming from on that. But, you know, the reality is you're, you, the, the data says you're saving lives with this, that you are um, objectively saving lives. You got to do it. And the other stuff has to fall into place, I guess, the best it can. But you, you, you've got to do it. I would. I have a couple things in my spring class to tell people. I'm like, there's things I'll tell you. It's a Nike. Remember, Nike's logo used to be here. The slogan used to be, "You got it. Just do it. Just do it." And I'll be like, "This is a, this is a just do it." Um, you've got to be on the side for getting this in your schools because you have one person that dies because you didn't have Narcan there. That's it's just not a, because culturally we're not a district that you know wants to to give people a sense that you know they can have careless behavior without consequences. I get it, right? People driving fast in cars, other things, but the the deal is you got to get off that high horse. You got to put Narcan in your schools, amend your policy, get together with your school legal counsel. However, you're going to do this and get it done. Um. Because that's just the way that things are these days. So, yeah, if you're trying to get virtue signaling or, or this is the hill you're going to stand on, it's the wrong hill to stand on. Um, so I'm I'm very curious though because I don't I anticipate in my spring class not everyone's going to be on board with this. I I can almost guarantee that that not everybody's going to be on board with this. Um, and actually, you know, I don't know if I would have been on board with it. You know, when I was a younger administrator, I don't know. Um, but I would, you know, as word to the wise, and that's where I'm very overt with this. I'm like, you got to do this. You got to do this. And here's the, here's the questions that are going to come up, right? Here's the things, here's what you got to ask of your state. Here's what you have to ask your state department of public instruction, you know, that, uh, school policies that you can have this stuff on campus. No one's going to get in trouble. Again, it's locks known and the lock zone isn't going to get you high or anything. The people aren't going to be breaking and stealing this stuff. But uh, let's keep going down here. 
Vanessa, oh my goodness, Vanessa saying, we had three fentanyl exposures in an elementary school near here. They just arrested the one providing it to the kids. Holy, so Vanessa, right? So this is where people might say, okay, we'll agree, people, school board of board of education. They would say, because the board of education is going to be a little bit cautious on this. If you have Narcan throughout all your buildings, students are open and rolling, parents are moving there. What message does that send to prospective parents? Oh yeah, this elementary school, this K through three has Narcan in every, we have three ADs in the building and each one has Narcan in the box. What, why, what's happening in your community? So the thing is, as you said, Vanessa, if you do this as a school board, it's every building, it's every site. So it's not, oh, we'll only do it at our high school because that's probably where it's going to happen. Nope, that's not the way that it works with fentanyl or opioid overdoses. Do you have staff that work in all buildings? Well, yeah, we do. Then this is just the way that it is. Do you have parents that come to all buildings? Yep, then this is the way that it is. So it's our good friend, Yoke. The thing that first responders can always get there in time, especially if no one knew the person was overdosing. You're right, the clock ticks. You're absolutely right. And so you, this is the point that needs to be made explicitly through these good Samaritan laws that are all at state levels of telling people, do this now, respond and do this now, you know, because time is ticking, right? And you're not going to get in trouble for this. You have immunity, but you're right. You're right on whether it's that, you know, whether it's stopping the bleed, um, administering an EpiPen when someone is having a reaction before their throat swells up. I mean, we could go down the line on these, these things, but you're right on Uke. Um, and a lot of schools, we have 421 school districts in Wisconsin. Uh, more than half have less than a thousand students. Um, and of those, a lot are very rural, meaning volunteer fire department, volunteer EMS, two police you know, that patrol the entire county, you know, that's half of our state, um, plus blizzard conditions and things like that. You know, these states, these areas in winter, which uh, accessibility to, you know, the roads and stuff like that, you know, decreases um, the, the response time. So, yeah, really easy to administer. So, um, we are... The first responders learn your first aids. Vanessa's right with that. That's actually a bigger reflection on society. We, all of us are the first responders. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot of bad things happening in society. But even if we took that statement back to 1930, I still think that's a really good statement. Um, that's Cajun Navy relief. When I interviewed Katie Pashan, and she was talking about Cajun Navy relief going into... Florida and in Louisiana, New Orleans after, you know, hurricanes Katrina and then eventually Harvey and things like that. And she said, you know, their slogan is we don't wait for the help. We are the help. And to some level that has to, that has to be the, the way that these systems work. Um, you know, I had a really good episode of flying rich. I need to bring him back on the show. And we we're talking, you know, he's a, but beyond a pilot, just so many talents he has, but he also is a 3d printing enthusiast. And we did a show on, what if you had a team of like eight people and they could deploy anywhere in the country in 24 hours and they had a, a three, they had a couple 3d printers that were super high end that could print anything. And they had the supplies and all that, and they could be, you know, airdropped in anywhere. What were things that could be printed during an emergency? 
and he was coming up catheters, like parts for geodesic domes, like water filtration systems. Like he was coming up with all these things that could be 3D printed, right? Because if you're trying to fly things into a devastated area or all this stuff, it's not going to work. But if you if you could do some of this this stuff, and it kind of gets in this whole thing too of like, remember the Good Samaritan law. I think this whole thing with Good Samaritan law. I know I had Lisa Lenny on; she was great. We got into this topic topic pretty deep. We still need to go deeper on this. I I am so dismayed that we don't have any federal or state um, education on the Good Samaritan law. It it just absolutely blows my mind. So. You know, we don't have this overt campaign about it. So, yeah. Yuke says to Vanessa, I took first aid with the scouts. Got a few EMT friends. We swap knowledge. It's, it's knowledge that's super valuable to you, right, buddy? Um, it's transdermal absorption with the fentanyl and some scary stuff. Keep hearing stories of little kids, even LEO. Yeah. So again, underscoring the need for that. And then in Cincinnati, the show a few shows ago that I had talking about their vending machine, typical vending machine. You used to get a candy bar out of it. Now you get a a fentanyl test strip, a pair of, of four mil uh, rubber gloves and Narcan, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we should be teaching first aid throughout life, cover bleeding traumas. That's, and that's the part Lisa Lenny brought up is like this whole kind of one and done people, you know, uh, you're in the scouts, you go through first aid, like, but that should be free and it should be something that you periodically take your refresher courses on and it should, you know, publicly be made available, no cost to you. Um, right. So all the money we spend on things as a government and, we don't have this. You know, you can go to the fire department. They'll take your blood pressure, right? At least where I'm at for free. But um, but will there be these these courses or will the government, like, pay a stipend to people to teach these courses? Like, this is crazy when we're spending billions of dollars of other countries' stuff and we're not saying, hey, you want to keep a current first aid card? It's free. Go here and register. and Right, Vanessa? I mean... My girlfriend just got here, fill her in on the podcast. She usually complains, wants me to get off YouTube, but she's also close to home experience here. And she's, whoa, well, yuke. So welcome her to the show. All right. Um, yeah. Vanessa, the three kids handled the drug itself. They all died in minutes. Holy smokes. Wow. When you think about it, Narcan is less invasive than sticking someone in a leg with an EpiPen. Yeah. Yeah. And then after you administer Narcan, do you call 911? I believe you do. When you administer EpiPen, you always dial 911. That was our dial, call 911. That was always our protocol when I was a school administrator. So it's our good friend, New York Outcast. I can't do any of the special graphics for you because I've got that shut off and I'm not going to try to revive that midstream here. But uh, I feel bad. I can't do snow or lightning or all that for you guys. So I want to give a shout out here to our good friend, Mike McLuhan, who did a $20 super chat, a super sticker at the start of the show. Thank you very much. That brings us uh, probably within about $11 of this show getting a payout by the 31st of December. Um, so when I have my taxes done, I can say to my tax person, Gene, the show's been monetized. I'm officially a YouTuber. 
And here it is. We have a payout. We have to figure out how this has tax implications. But by gosh, Gene, the channel made it. So um, this is agorizer. By, by As an aside, I really hate the use of the term epidemic for everything. That's a problem. Um, gun violence epidemic elements of the opioids is closer. But, yeah, it's look. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That is I'm, I'm right on with you. Um, so bystander effect. This is from Uke. Um, it really sucks when things go down. So, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think I, I studied that, and it was more, you know, if you were in a group of people in, in a chaotic situation and someone, like, started to, like, throw a bed, <laughs> Um, a bench on a sidewalk through a window or something, you know, like you were more likely to join in that, even if that wasn't your nature. But also the bystander effect, if um, if you see that someone is already, what was it? If you see that someone is already helping, like if they turn and ask you for help, you're much, like, much more likely. But if you see that there's people there and people aren't responding, you're less likely to respond. I'd have to look into that. I would actually have to do a show on that. I think I'll write that down, the bystander effect, um, because it, that is there is a well-studied science on that. Um, and especially nowadays, right? Because everyone's like, oh, I'm helping this person and I'm administering Narcan. There's some people over there, like four people are recording you. So is it being uploaded real time? Is that now evidence or, you know, so it's just really weird. Um, Mike to New York Outcast. I understand what you mean. I had a cousin with opioid addiction issues did several stints in county jail and burglary charges been clean for over a decade married with two great kids wow wow yeah agorizer it's a problem it's a drug it's drug abuse it's when it's um adulterated substance a predictable effect of the drug war so they're too busy filming till misty you got it right like um how many people just bring out cameras today whenever something happens? So we have this weird, this this whole weird thing going on too. And I, I honestly don't believe people are bad innately and that people wouldn't help most people. But we don't emphasize the Good Samaritan law. And I also think once a camera comes out, that changes the game for a lot of people. Um, because again, are you being hyper-scrutinized? And I think that's a good question. What if I'm administering Narcan and there are two people like recording what's going on? Is that now evidence? Is someone going to say, I didn't do the procedure right because I did like this and this or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't count to six after I like hit the, the mist injector. I mean, all these things. So, wow. Joe Morris, I probably logged 20 hours online safety training at work annually. So, well, that's good, buddy. Your workplace is, is definitely um, invested in that. So. This is very good. Um, so I'm trying to get an, uh, I live here in uh, Wisconsin. Those of you who know where Wisconsin is. So trying to get a Packers score. Just kind of curious here. The Green Bay Packers are currently leading in the fourth quarter, 24 to 12 over the Rams. So it's good news here for the Packers. So. It's good. It's good. If they win, they'll be six and eight, but we'll uh, one, two in a row, which is a good thing. So 
Um, so here's what I'm going to do to you guys. I'm going to be back, but right now it is, um, what's the temperature? 18 degrees. I need to uh, stoke the firewood and uh, I'll be back. And uh, I'll do, I'll talk a little bit more about a blizzard, which is heading our way, which is going to get here Thursday. The worst blizzard we've had, or the worst kind of winter event, but probably blizzard in five years. It could even be longer than that. This could be going, this could be like a once in a decade weather event that is happening here. So Andrew's saying we have an epidemic calling everything epidemic. Yeah, some things are endemic, some things are epidemic, some things are just a low key where you blame things like, oh, like, you know, break-ins, that's due to the pandemic or whatever. Um, but you're right. It's a term that's kind of lost its practical meaning. So guys, friends here of the show, super chat, super stickers are appreciated. Watching the ads are appreciated. Clicking through the ads, also appreciate it. Um, kind of a shameless plug, but we are trying, and I say we as a me and that penguin back there is putting a lot of pressure on me. He's looking over my shoulder, trying to get the show where it does have a payout here in 2023. We're approaching it. Appreciate all of you. So, guys, what I'm going to do is I'll be back in just a moment. I uh, I'm going to run our intermission because if I don't stock up with firewood, uh, we're going to have a super cold house here tonight. So I need to to refill the burner. So let me find our intermission. So intermission, and I'll be back after that. It's three minutes long. Okay, folks, I'll be back after these three minutes. Thank you.
As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident, and what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David Perodin clarifies human behavior during days, weeks, months, or even years of chaos. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. The velocity of information will teach you how people have done it in history, in the modern day, and even in prison. There are teachable moments on every page. Buy the velocity of information, human thinking during chaotic times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. A must-read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims, A brave demonstration of speaking truth to power. School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Hey, everybody, I'm back. Took a little longer than I thought there to uh, to restoke the stoker. So, um, yeah, keep my house with wood, obviously, so burn down. Um, so let's go through here. Dancing in the bad cave. Let's go to the lobby. Dun 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 da da Piccolo Anakin. Mike McLoon. Mike, thank you for the super chat earlier in the show. The super sticker, I should say. Very much appreciate you're a very generous person. All of you, thank you for supporting my work, for um, you know, letting those ads play when they come up. Um, and you know, your support of the monetized channel. 
I do appreciate that very much. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, very much appreciate it. So um, important books to or right here. Solitude is saying I got your audiobook, Doc. It's awesome. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Um, important books to study. You know, <laughs> it's amazing that the velocity of information every day becomes more um, a truth reality. Everything in here is cited. You know, the 471 endnotes, 12 interviews. It's an awesome book. But um, the more you distance yourself from the year 2020 and you start to read the book, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, holy smokes, right? New Mexico with their Vax to the Max program, and you get a free fishing license for a vaccine. And then people eventually were like, yeah, I'm not really into that. And, uh, but it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> so what you're saying is pretty right. I ran from here to the fireplace or the, to the firewood room, grabbed firewood. I went upstairs and um, then it took a little longer because I had to move um the what was in the firebox around a little bit and then once i got everything in there just had to wait a second like okay is this how i i want it set up if the fire gets too high it messes with the intakes in the in the burner um and then it's not as efficient and if you really mess with it it can actually like turn the burner into this big glowing you know hunk of multi-hundred pound metal that's sitting in your house um and i'm not no i'm not anywhere in that situation right now, but that has happened. Usually happens like once or twice a year, the stove overheats. That is more like weather conditions outside. Um, if it's really cold like this, it's never a problem because the, the heat goes really fast up the chimney. Um, you know, it already circulates many times throughout the, the house and stuff, but it's more, when it's more like, you know, 30 degrees and dense that, uh, you can have where you can have the the actual firebox starts to, to overheat if you're not sending enough air up through the chimney. But but yeah, I don't have to deal with that now. A couple of times I stayed I'd stayed up at night and uh, just in that room to make sure. I don't know what it would really do. I'd 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 have to scrape I usually scrape the hot coals out and uh, try to just lower the heat. That's probably just what it would have to do. Uh, it usually takes care of itself um, in time. Awesome book. Thanks, Misty, Mrs. Wayne. So let me see here. I think the book is uh, um, School of Airs. Let's see here. School. No. School of World Cup. So I think, it, I think it is in more libraries right now. It's slowly searching. Anyway, I, it, it was in more libraries as of uh, a couple days ago. So that's always fun. Like I said, it's really gaining traction now. Um, yeah, it is really good. It's really good. So um, very cool. So, yeah. Um, so a few things. One is... Where I'm at, we have a blizzard coming in. 
So today is Monday. On Thursday, it will arrive. And between Thursday and Friday, there's a blizzard warning. They're already telling people. And they're like, it's not even like a watch. They're like, it's high confidence. It will be a warning. It's going to be bad. And uh, and so we could get a foot of snow in that range. It's going to be 10 degrees, 5 degrees, so really light snow. But the problem with that is that stuff blows around. It causes big drifts and it whiteout conditions. Um, and then on the roads, salt doesn't work because the next week it's going to be below, you know, 15 degrees every day. So it's really, you know, really dangerous driving, especially at night. But um, we will have 50 mile an hour winds with the storm and uh, eat about a foot of snow and it will last 48 hours. So that's pretty wild. We haven't had that here in, I'm thinking five years. It could be much more than that. It actually could be like 10 years. But uh, but yeah, so hopefully, you know, people stay safe, stay off the roads. I'm going to go shopping tomorrow. I put a list together of just some extra things to get. Um, thankfully, like in our community, the power is underground, but you never know, um, you know, what the deal is with the power. But uh, it's definitely, don't want to be out. The kids have off school on Friday, but they'll cancel school, I'm sure, on Thursday. And uh, and then it's just, it's holiday week, you know, Christmas, the 24th and 25th. You know, those will probably be okay, but as long as the winds don't kick up. But these rural roads will probably be a mess um, over Christmas. So I remember that, you know, growing up in northern Wisconsin, you know, just roads would close. They, they would just be drifted over. That would be the end of it. Unless the snowplow came through, that was it. You just, you couldn't go. And uh, so it's been quite a while since I've had to experience that. I remember snow as high as the uh, telephone wires when I was growing up out in the country. A very, I remember that very vividly. Um, but yeah, we are, we're going to, the, th the thing is the winds, right? And how the snow will set up is going to be really crazy. But uh, I'm so glad I went out after this past week's snowstorm and got the snow off of all of our shrubs and off of my spruce the best I could in the back because it was really heavy snow and it, branches were breaking off because this would really mess things up. But um, we're only supposed to get four inches of snow. So you're supposed to get four inches of snow where you're at, Bacon? Holy smokes. That's pretty rare, right? Wow. Um, we might be getting snow. This is misty, Mrs. Wayne. Uh, but they still haven't made up their minds. Yeah. So, you know, we have, one of the things we did is we now have an all-wheel drive SUV. And um, so I, I believe that we got it last year. And I think that helps in winter with snow. With ice, it doesn't really make too much of a difference. It doesn't make any difference on braking. But, uh, but at least that's something kind of a go-to. My car will be out of commission. My car will... My lacrosse, my front-wheel drive lacrosse, there's not enough weight in the front, even though, you know, front-wheel drive. It just doesn't, you know, on days like that, like until things get really sandy. We're on top of a hill. I can, and, and people won't be able to get up our hill. So what typically happens is uh, people who try to come up the hill, they just like drift over to one side or another. And I end up going down there with a shovel and cat litter and stuff and like getting people shoveled out. Um, that will probably happen again. Um, the city would probably just be best to shut our road down temporarily. But, uh, and then it's a weird thing. I helped, 
I helped this lady out a couple of years ago and she was freaking out. And I'm like, well, you're in town and this, you haven't done any damage to your vehicle. It's just, you know, you're kind of stuck. And, you know, so I'm like, shut your car off so I can shovel with a plastic shovel around in, and then I'll put some litter down and give you some traction and stuff like that. And I'll, you know, you'll get out of this. Don't worry about that. You back down and, and uh, just give me a little bit of time to help you out. And then these people always like try to start their car. And then they're always like they're sort of freaking out. They're calling all these people. And I'm like, you know, there's this lady's like, oh, should I call a wrecker? I'm like, I'll, you'll be fine. 15 minutes. I'm, you're not paying me anything. I live here. I know how this process works. And then I've never had one person I've not been able to get unstuck just as a nice doc, as the nice person here. But people freak out. So I'm like, just give it a little, give me a little bit of time here, get the snow away and get a little traction. And then, um, but yeah, our road will be, be pretty much useless. <laughs> so, um, but you know, because we're in the city, it'll be a, a day and they'll have a cleanup. It's our friend Jordan from South Korea or Saskatchewan. Either one is he's dual resident. Welcome buddy. We are we have a blizzard warning inbound here for where I'm at. Not a good time to take out your airplane, says Graham Wilson. I would agree with that. You don't want to be going down the uh, taxiway when there's a four foot snowdrift with your piper. I'll flip you right over. So, woof woof woof. Good friend Mike McClone. Remember, ice is no equalizer, is the equalizer. Yeah. When I was involved in the multi-car accident on the interstate, I was in the middle of that. That was icing over the interstate. And it it I could see in front of me the vehicle start to lose it. And then I my vehicle start to lose it too. And that was horrible, man. Like, you know, snow's one thing, just regular snow. You can kind of trudge through that. That's not great, but when this icing over stuff happens, and again, salt's not gonna work when it's 10 degrees outside. So, oh man, really sucks. Really sucks. That's another benefit of like having the home studio to consult in. Like for the most part, it just doesn't matter because I'm just down here. If power goes out, then it matters. Buying a new snowblower. Um, Vanessa, next fall, we are you going to get battery operated? Because my local snowblower, small engines place every snowblower they have this fall is battery they do not have a gas powered snowblower believe it or not they don't so i'm going to take good care of my snowblower um jordan's saying i can't stay in south korea i don't know anything about snow jordan's a good guy so i appreciate that you're here buddy so i need a rhyme for y'all yeah, Jordan's a good guy. Jordan is a, is a good person. Um, really? Okay. In my area, they're all moved over. So, yeah. Like, I really take care of my my snowblower, my weed whacker, my lawnmower. Because, like I said, they're not selling. There's not an option anymore. Um, it has to be. So, it's pretty, pretty freaky. But... Uh, I use True Fuel. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's synthetic gasoline, but it doesn't contain any ethanol. It's 92 octane. Um, it comes in like quarts. I have six quarts on reserve, and I use that for my winter. So for my snowblower. 
And even if it's a really big snow or blizzard, like I probably wouldn't go through more than a quart with that. If I help my neighbors, maybe two quarts, but I can, you know, I can order more of it. it comes from Home Depot and stuff like that. But uh, I always use it because otherwise just even like the, it, the regular gas, even if it says no ethanol, it would still gum up the carburetor. So I just went with synthetic. Never had a problem after that. Otherwise, every year I was having to take the carburetor apart and clean it. Jordan is saying to Vanessa, I was just thinking of you before the doc mentioned cat litter. So we have three cats. Yeah, I take cat litter and um, that is usually what I use to get people unstuck. The biggest thing I found is not the people, it's not the logistics, it's not the technicalities, it's just getting people to calm down. And, you know, and I'm like, hey, like I live right there, like, you know, you haven't done any damage to your vehicle, at least I can see. Because, you know, and just let me shovel you out. Like, I'm guessing you don't have a shovel with you, and I'll make sure, you know, I'm not your vehicle, and I'll get you out for, I'll get you out of here. Don't worry about it. So, if I can find a tri fuel snowblower, that'd be nice. Yeah. So, tri fuel is just, um, or true fuel is just uh, synthetic gas. So, I, you just use it instead of, you know, your regular um, recreational vehicle, unlet it. It's just, un, it's, you know, just unleaded gas. But it, it, because it's synthetic, you know, you can store it for two years, doesn't have ethanol. I, I won't, it objectively changed, it was a game changer for me. I never had to clean out a gummy carb after that. Um, so it's somewhat expensive, but I'm not running my snowblower a whole lot in winter, so it's definitely worth it to me. I wouldn't run it like in a lawnmower or something like that. It just wouldn't, it'd be too expensive to do that. But um, Jordan's saying, bye. Bye for now. I'm Jordan. See you later. Ipaniwas. Never seen one. So our good friend, Mike McLuhan. So, yeah. So what, what do you guys think? What for opioids? Um, do you think library there should be a standing order so you know your library could have narcan available in it, your post office your city hall uh, your schools should this be a thing um what do you think run what do you think are the pros the con the cons what are things that i'm missing because we're kind of moving really fast in this direction um so you know tell me what you think because I am very interested in that. I don't think I have everything covered. Um, so, yeah. Joe Morris is saying, my buddies ran true fill in their chainsaws. Yep, I run it in my weed whacker. Um, again, I've immediately found it to be well worth the price. So, yeah. Hell, let's pay a 16-year-old kid to drive around in a Narcan ice cream truck. So, Joe Morris. So, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be some commentary of having, you know, I remember the ice cream truck. Actually, they had an ice cream truck that would visit our town up until like two years ago um, and, and driving around. But it kind of, it's, you know, it's it's one of those things. Do you, do you, um, do you put these at the 
parks, right? We have a, a swimming area at a, a lake that's in town. Do you put one right there along with uh, the first aid kit or the, the buoy you throw out to people? Is there like Narcan? I mean, where do you where do you put these things? Because actually that would, you have to call 911. You have to get police or do all police cruisers have these? Or I don't know. It's a good question. Vanessa, yeah, Narcan in kits along with other first aid. Yeah, and you're really, Vanessa, I think you're pointing out too that the traditional um, AED cabinet um, has changed. It's no longer the AED. It really is the, it's the, I don't know if you call it like the medical cabinet. Like all this needs to be kind of re repurposed, re described in a different way that's more reflective of what it does. So an AED cabinet has an AED, it has a first aid kit, it has EpiPen, it has Narcan. It's really a medical cabinet. I don't, I don't know of a school that's done that. It's always like the AED thing, and the signage is always like AED. I think it really needs to be medical. And I don't know what a universal sign is for EpiPen or Narcan or something like that, or if you just, you know. I don't know if there's a universal sign for Narcan. I mean, it's naloxone, naloxone. Let me see here. Universal symbol for Narcan. I mean, AED always um, pretty pretty evident. So let's let's bring this up here on a share screen. So this is sold by Illinois Supply Company. It's a sign. So purple. I guess that's the color. Well, no, here's one that's red. So I just said it was purple. So then they come up here with red. Red is too much first aid, right? You almost have to do like purple. So let's see here. Let's see what they have. Purple. See, this one would make sense to me. Like, I think you'd have to color code it out. But these are all things that kind of have, people have to make decisions on, like at some point, right? Like you got you to gotta decide what you're going to do here. And that's where I look at this bill from like, you know, Senator Baldwin and I'm like, okay, I get where you're going with this. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but right. There's, you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked here. So, um, Benny Ballistics will say, Hey, Narcan in the hands of untrained individuals, just as bad as opioid issues. So, right. That is going to come up. How do you respond to that? Mike McLuhan, I ran Truefill, which is not a narcotic, by the way, in my two-cycle equipment. I've never had any fuel-related issues, but it's pricey. It is pricey, but I'm with you, Mike. I am a believer in Truefill. After so many winters of having to rip down my carburetor in my snowblower and be like, enough of this, especially when it's like after a blizzard hits, right? And I'm sitting there and I can't get the thing going. Never, ever had that issue when I... True feel. Overdose ballot equals no more vote. It's our good friend, Andrew. So if an ice cream truck makes it out to my house, it's pretty sketch. Ice cream <laughs> truck. Joe Morris. You know, I I really feel bad that the ice cream truck stuff is uh, is is kind of over, you know, because it's cost prohibitive, right, to, to do that. Um, 
But I re- it wasn't that long ago. I mean, my kids, you know, lived through the ice cream truck age. And there was something just really grounding, really good about that. So, um, yeah. I'm glad. When I grew up, we didn't have that where I was at. Oh, subscribe and thumbs up, by the way. Appreciate that. So... Uh, let's keep going. Dun, dun, dun. I use stable my lawnmower. I also use stable in my gas that I've left over for my lawnmower. So that's been good. Lawnmower burns hotter, you know, so the carb is usually, I've never had issue with a lawnmower carb. Um, and you're burning it for a longer, you know, it's running for a longer period of time. Um, but any ballistics. We should take label warning labels off everything and let natural selection run its course. Jim. Jim. Um, propane has a maximum shelf life for a common fuel. Look it up. So, yeah. It's all good stuff. All good stuff. So, um, I don't know. Has anybody been, you know, been through a blizzard, been through really really crazy weather, any of that going on? Because you know, I'm from Wisconsin, so this isn't new for us, but this this is the first time, like for my daughters, this will probably be the first true blizzard that they will remember. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think? Have you been through anything that's been like, oh, I remember a blizzard. I, I lived in Buffalo and we have four feet of snow. And so it's not the snow so much because we don't have we we don't have a lot of snow on the ground. It's the fact that the 50 mile an hour winds for 48 hours create whiteout conditions, which is a big, big problem. So, you know, that's that's what things get really nasty. Um, we're supposed to get snow on Sunday, bending ballistics. Yeah. On Christmas. Wow. So we are under a blizzard warning Thursday through Saturday. Although by the time we hit Saturday, it could ease up quite a bit. It depends how fast the winds move through, but they're saying 48, 48 hours of 50 mile an hour winds in with a foot of snow in 10 degree weather. So it's like a minus 30 wind chill and, be pretty wild man to to have that come through um so yeah um mike McLuhan, jim not sure what a fill cost now but a 20 pound cylinder exchange at local grocery store it's up to 28 bucks was 20 over the summer holy smokes my man it's costly what is it in california i think they banned small propane right canisters right so if you got a little buddy or something it doesn't really won't work anymore as far as that goes so oh my god guys that's crazy so the weather right here is it's snowing now i don't know if i'll have to do anything tomorrow or not um as far as i get the snow out we'll see um so an update on my hard drive that had all of the safety doc podcasts the uh the tech guy called me and he said, Dave, I ordered, I got another panel for it, another board. I tried it out 
it didn't revive it. So it's definitely something is wrong on the drive. So tomorrow I will pick up the drive. I'll pay him. I did download the first 150 episodes, which took a long time. So I have the full video and full audio, but I don't have like the component stuff going into that. Not that I would probably really ever need that, but uh, um, over Christmas break, I will do the final. I have like 30 missing episodes that I'll go in and, and download. But uh, back up your stuff, guys, and back up your backups because, you know, my my wife spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks uh, going through our pictures of our, our family pictures and making print copies of those Um you know, sending them to Walgreens. We have a Walgreens in town and and uh, making sure we have those. We have redundant things, but, you know, get get those copies. Don't don't have everything, you know, on a thumb drive or something like that, and then it goes bad. So um, let's go over here to our good friend, Bacon Maldino. Bacon, I remember when Hot Russian and I lived in June Lake, California, we arrived the night before a 36-inch snow came in. Holy smokes. Wow. Mike McClune, I usually keep a five-gallon can filled, and after I dump it in a pickup and refill it when I go get gas, run to Ohio. Good move. By the way, I um, I, I spread some ash out on a, a couple icy areas on, like, the driveway. And uh, Ash does a nice job of giving some grit to that. You don't want to get real crazy with it, though, because um, it becomes kind of pasty and cars start to bring it into the garage. And so you just got to be very, you know, just thoughtful that you're not putting a whole bunch of ash out. But Ash does look great to bring traction and and uh, melt away ice. So little ash. I should have some sand, but I don't. But I tend... Ash is pretty abundant here, considering we're burning <laughs> we're burning a forest down every night here. Um, we have one hundred pound tanks. I want to buy forty pound tanks. Hundred pounds are difficult to move. No kidding, they certainly are. Jim is saying I found two stroke engines. More oil and fuel is better than not enough. I'm with you, buddy. Yeah, I run fifty to one, but a little more oil, not a bad thing. Especially a little synthetic, a little AMS oil. Real life anecdotes. I have 21 gas cans I'll use regularly. The rest are for yard equipment. Rotate them. Smart move, Vanessa. What I do when I use my true fuel is I write the dates on the cans that I got them in marker. I just write on the top of them. And then as I crack them open and use them, I write the date that I started to use it. So I always have that going for me, which is nice. I have six gas cans. Whoa. I really should get a jerry can. That should be on my list. Get a jerry can. Through Gritz Garage. Blend, Benny Ballistics. You know what works better than ash and sand on a driveway dock? Um, I don't. So I don't know what the answer is. I try not to do salt, but um, yeah. The ash is my burning firewood. So um, my scooter I bought in 98, 160 miles per gallon, two-gallon gas tank. That's awesome. Yeah, Amsoil. So I ordered directly from Amsoil in, uh, was it, Duluth, Minnesota, right? Is that where it's at or it's in, it's in Minnesota? So Amsoil, 
Um, oh, metal gas cans from Midwest cans. Their customer service exceptional. Awesome. Living in a warm climate is where it doesn't snow. Betting ballistics. Yeah. I'm glad that I spent the time cleaning my driveway off in my new concrete slab uh, because they're, they were pretty much bare. My neighbors, like, they didn't keep up on their stuff. So, like, that'll just be ice covered from now until, like, March for them. Um, so, my buddy Carl is an Amsoil dealer. I'm a big fan of Amsoil. So, dun, dun, dun. Amsoil. So, yeah. Um, so... I think I think in the next I think in 2023 you're going to see federal legisla legislation pass to have a standing order for Narcan. Now some of the drug companies have come out on this and they've said, well, you know what? The deal is you can do this, but then, you know, right now Narcan because it's prescribed is covered by quite a few insurance companies. Where if it's over the counter, it's not going to be covered. So how are you going to deal with that? And then also. The fact of, you know, supply chain, if it's over the counter, this might become harder to source. So how are you going to deal with that? Those are those are questions coming out from the uh, pharmaceutical industry, which doesn't surprise me, I guess. But, you know, these are questions, right, of what are you going to do? What are you going to do if, uh, you know, and then what if, you know, what if some people can't pay that you know it's 25 dollars. i guess i mean i looked at was 25 dollars now but what if it goes up to 50 dollars? and people are like well if it, if it was under my insurance plan or if it was under my whatever you know medicare medicaid but so i look at that i'm like well that's kind of fear-mongering so but i guess it's kind of legit you know it's like why don't we have affordable insulin for people or affordable epipens so, note to everyone, check on Husky, on your Husky owner neighbors. We are not faring well in this weather. Oh, no. Okay. It's not good. Our weather is still showing only rain. Yeah. Make gas cans great again. God, Mike, I have one of those gas cans. Remember when they... they Came out with this the new law where it had to have all these mechanisms on it so it wouldn't spill or vapors wouldn't come out and and uh, and that thing is still horrible to operate versus a traditional gas can. Um, yeah, that thing is always a mess and it's a mess to disassemble it and take it to the gas station and fill it up and <laughs> reassemble it. I'm like, this makes no sense. You know, those type of things are just an example of government overreach jim i thought it'd be good to rig up a tank and a pump deal here but trailer park people have their natural gas lines freeze in metro detroit in recent memory oh my god yeah my god wow wow so yeah thankfully what we have coming toward us we don't have a lot of driving on deck we should be able to yeah, I said the big thing here, and because it's cold, that's that's one thing. If you have a power outage because it's 110 degrees, you know, everything spoils. You know, if it's zero degrees outside, you can move a lot of stuff to the porch and it'll still be good, right? So you do have that kind of 
I don't know. I wouldn't say it's a benefit, but that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, but I am. I do have a kind of a list of supplies that, including batteries, that I'm going to stock up on tomorrow. Um, you know, just just because uh, I don't know what the next you know those 48 hours are going to kind of entail or or ongoing for us. Um, again, I I live in a city, so I, I don't anticipate we would have real long of issues that would be going on here power lines are traditionally under underground and stuff the generating plant is just out of town but uh but we'll see so um bacon i have the older gas cans new ones or safety locks are beyond painful to use right yeah i would actually i would prefer to go to like a a uh you know flea market and buy an older style gas can um from somebody same thing with like sprinklers for yards like any pre-1980 sprinklers are pretty decent and you can pick those up now and then in like a flea market but like all the new stuff is just plastic or rust or just junk so yeah 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 so and many of those legal spots are difficult to use with disabilities so I had my one of my neighbors came over, elderly lady, her husband, and and she she said, uh, "Hey, like, would you help me with this?" Uh, she had a jar of something. She's like, "I can't open this thing," and it did have some kind of like push down thing. It wasn't a medication or whatever, but I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'll open it, no problem." But I'm like, "It's kind of weird, you know?" Like, because she said, "Yeah, a lot, a lot of the stuff is getting really difficult to kind of open." Um. It's a good point, Vanessa. Betting ballistics. Uh, Mike, I agree. I have a friend that does it. Uh, they have all sorts of pistols pull on them at times. Whoa. Whoa. So buy the electric fuel pumps and jigger ciphers. Stop struggling with the spouts. It's our friend, Vanessa. Bacon. Betting ballistics. Whoa. That's going to make a game show. Look at this, man. Oh, my goodness, man. So, um, oh, Southwood server. Th that's a lot of snow, Doc. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of snow. I mean, we've had bigger snows. It's the wind. It's the 50-mile-an-hour winds that move. So, you know, at the end of a road, you could have a four-foot snowdrift. Like, that's very plausible in this scenario. So then, and it would, you know, snow blowing over roads and whiteouts, so that's a bad thing. A Packers one, good deal. Um. Best milk crates are at Tractor Supply. Use three crates to use electric pump and four for the siphon. Very cool. Mike, to betting ballistics. I even have access to keys to the cars, but I still said nope to repo for me. Um, this was when I was living in Lima, Ohio, going to school. Right? Remember, Mike has a lot of shirts. It's like Lima. Hey, Lima proud of Lima, Ohio. Lima, the Lima lizards. And they were like, it's big. But then you know, after a while, it's like, well, whatever. But Lima, Lima, Ohio. So Mike McLoon, Lima. Doc, my neighbor behind me is arguing with repo guy while they're taking his car. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to win that argument, right? Probably, probably lose that one. Yeah, that's a dangerous job doing that. 
Best snows I've ever experienced were in Alaska. That's Vanessa. Yeah, I had some some memorable and good snows as a kid um, in northern Wisconsin, you know, where you get the three-wheeler out and be driving around and right up and down the roads. And so, you know, now it's all really pragmatic. It's like, oh, I don't want anybody to get hurt, you know, and let's stay inside till the roads are plowed. And um, so, yeah, all of those types of things. So, yeah, yeah. Batteries, I got my list together of things. Not a big list. I mean, we're pretty well, pretty well set, but probably grab a couple hand warmers. Let me put that on my list here. I've got some, but I don't know if those things expire. That's the thing, man. I don't know if, how long they stay. I know they're not cheap either anymore. They used to be, remember, you get like a whole sack of them for like a dollar. Um, that's not the case, man. So let's do this. Hand warmers. I'm just going to shove those in the car. I've got space in there to do that. Yeah, I'll probably throw a couple glow sticks in there too. I've got a couple military grade extra glow sticks. Not that they throw off heat, but you know, if anything ever did happen, right, you can hopefully use it for some visibility or something. I don't know. Um, Jim is saying tow truck drivers, tow truck drivers are the unsung heroes of modern society. Yeah. When I was in my, uh, my accident back in 2019, the tow truck driver took me right to my house. It's really, really cool thing that he did that. Um, wow. Odds be at least a country Western ballard starring a tow truck driver. I agree. So coolio well everybody here's where we're at um we i'll have the blog post up tomorrow episode 199 officially the safety doc that's the one that has the audio and the blog post it was opioid emergencies in k-12 schools community and legal considerations it's very likely that in 2023 there will be federal legislation for a standing order there's already a bill proposed senate bill 4794 you will have a standing order so you can use um, naloxone, right? Um, or Narcan, generic Narcan. But what does that mean for schools? That was our topic. What do schools have to think about in that school boards? How are they training people? Where are they going to put this stuff? What does liability look like? Um, culturally, are some schools going to say, we're not going to do that because, right, parents come here, we don't want them to think that open enrollment, we have a drug overdose issue going on. So we'll see where this goes. Um, but yeah. And what was the, uh, <laughs> there was a, there was something I was going to do a show on. I didn't write it down. I said I was going to write it down. Do you guys remember what it was? We were talking about it about 30 minutes ago. And I said, I'm going to do a show on that. So cause can anybody post that? What was I going to do a show on? Um, Bystander effect. By God. By God, my good friend. Yeah. Bystander effect. That's going to be a great show. Probably be show 200 unless I have the the hemp manufacturer on um, for that. So, yeah. 
Crisco, right? You're supposed to uh, lather yourself up with uh, Crisco, and that preserves your heat in your body so you don't cool down. Um, bystander effect. Good deal. Good deal. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate all of you. Uh, Mike McLuhan, thanks for the uh, super sticker. Thank everybody. Thank you to everybody for, um, you know, watching the ads, <laughs> support, checking through the show and doing that. It does make a difference. Um, it's a good thing. It's all good. Um, as for me personally, yeah, Doc's doing good. I, um, you know, I've, I started the consulting last month again. That's been going well. I have, uh, so my schedule's filling up and I shared earlier in the show that today I contacted my primary, um, you know, entity that I work with. And I said, I'm willing to give you 10 to 12 more hours if you want it. They were asking for that initially, and I said, no, I'm not willing to kind of come back to that level. And uh, and honestly, I'm not trying to freak anybody out. Maybe this is my own paranoia, <laughs> my own skewed perception of things. I think the economy is going to be very bad in 2023, and I think right through the election in 2024 before we might see some changes. And I, I mean, I have friends in different countries who are sharing things that are happening, right? And I have friends in California or, you know, the, how their the homeless communities in Santa Barbara are just uh, significantly higher than they've ever been. The water shortages, their utility bills, you know, my, I know my year over year expense on my property taxes. So all these things are just real. They're all of us. Vanessa was saying she went and, you know, bought eggs and how expensive they were. Um, we know the supply chain, chain shortages are still existing. I don't see these getting better under our current management. Do you, our current administration? I don't at all. Um, and I just said, you know what? I am, uh, I'm going to add another 10 to 12 hours if you want it, because I, I need to hedge my bets here. Um, and they said, yeah, absolutely. We'll take it. Well, I said, they said, when are you available? I'm like, here's the times and get back to me. You know, obviously probably after Christmas and let me know what works. What's strange is I d initially de designed my schedule that I had, I would have off every Friday and it didn't turn out that way. Um, everyone wanted a Friday. And the reason is most schools now use Friday as a professional development day, either half day or full day, like once or twice a month. It's very common. So they're like, well, Dave, we already have this built in as professional development. So it's just easier for us to contract with you on this day. I'm like, okay, I get it. And for me, I guess it doesn't really mean a big thing. Like, it's not like I'm leaving early on a Friday to go to like a vacation home on the, you know, up on a lake. But um, I said, I need to preserve one day a week though, because, you know, my university stuff, I need always like one day to be able to do things and uh, that I can count on. So that day became Tuesday, which was really kind of weird. So like I have off the weekend, I work Monday, you know, full days, seven to five, and then Tuesday's off. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the weekend off, you know. So it's all good. I mean, but uh, it, it is kind of weird that Tuesday became the day I don't work. <laughs> so, but, you know, um, but I'm telling I, I I'm not a fear monger. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just looking at the metrics of saying, um, you know, this is bad. Like the, the number of people also under age 35 
from age 18 to 35 who live at home is at a record high. And like the last time it was like back in like 1940, but like then that, those were like farm families, you know, living at home. That's a different thing. And then, you know, these metrics and, and, you know, like my stock advisor, he's like, well, Dave, you know, like if you hold on in markets and, you know, whatever, I'm like, but dude, under the same premise, though, like then the Great Repression, the Great Depression would repeat, right? If you're saying that, that the past repeats, then all the bad things in the past repeat in addition to the good things. And really, had the U.S. not entered World War II and there was also the Dust Bowl, you know, the Great Depression was really 33 to 42 to 45, maybe 12, 15 years. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm that young chicken. I don't have that time. So I am, uh, yeah, moving out of all of my securities positions, 100% out of them and, uh, and over into, you know, fixed and on that side, just because I think things are going to drop off a cliff. Um, so unfortunately that's, that's just the way, like, I don't know if you, if you guys look at things, but what is going to make things better? I said the, you know, the U S is really largely becoming a service sector. You know, it's haircuts, it's, uh, it's restaurants, it's things like that. And industry's, you know, gone or it's being, you know, um, you know, robots and automation. And, and I just, I don't, you know, the thing is, and do you believe in anybody in power in the White House, in your state government? You know, I don't, you know, these, these folks, what in the world? So I'm like, I'm really amazed that the supply chain um, has been messed up for eight months, right? Because last year this time it wasn't that bad. Um, but then... You know, because you'd think, well, with a, with a uh, capitalism, right? Capitalism would solve a supply chain. It's like after a hurricane, capitalism gets water and batteries and gas into a hurricane area, but people have to pay more. It's price gouging. I understand. But, um, but the reality is no one's been able to solve this. No FedEx, no UPS, no businesses. Amazon can't do it. You can't have efficiencies when all of these systems are... Um, I would say manipulate it to be broken. And that is really scary because usually, again, in capitalism, someone will come up through with a breakthrough. Oh, here's like your drone thing, or here we're going to use like these smaller vans to like break down things and get them delivered, or we're going to use whatever to manufacture. We're going to jump to 3D printing, and it's going to all be regional, so things just get shifted by code to the 3D printers and print it. Like none of that's happened. So I look at this, and I'm saying, this is bad. This is really bad because usually capitalism wins out over the long haul or innovation. Someone comes up with something. Oh, here's a laptop battery that lasts for four weeks and it's not happening. So um, Jim is saying the Great Depression, seven more years of these types of economic decisions would kill me unless I can seriously plan B my entire life. Well, don't be depressed, but I think be real, be realistic. I'm really just... I'm anticipating entropy in the economy for the next five years. Um, like I said, what would turn it around? It's not just the U.S. You know, I have friends in Germany who have had their Christmas lights taken by the authorities. They've come to their house and taken their Christmas lights because they said, we're in a power shortage. You can have an LED Christmas light, which costs a penny to operate for the week, right? Um, and, you know, 
the, I, I just, I don't, I definitely don't see it until the 2024 election, depending upon which way that goes, that could, you know, but I'm like, I, in my 51 years, I've never perceived things like this. I've talked to people who are 30 years older than me who have said they've never perceived things like this. You know, I've been through the 70s, the hyperinflation of the 70s and stuff like that. That doesn't compare to now. Um, you know, one thing in the 70s, you know, you didn't ha- you didn't open up your paper to see Grand Theft Auto. You know, that, oh, last over the weekend, 17 cars were stolen here in, you know, the community. You know, you didn't see that type of stuff. So I would say, you know, just, you know, be defensive. Um You've got to do what you got to do for your own investments. But I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, I I cannot have exposed flanks. Look at people who held Disney stock, for example. Disney's trading at under $90 a share. Disney was a $200 stock with a dividend. And these people were loyal to Disney. These are people who own the company and would go there, like own the stock and go to Disney like three times a year. And, you know, and, and they're not watching, they're not doing the subscriptions, they're not going to the parks. The parks, I mean, the parks are a liability to try to do the upkeep on that and people trying, you know, to fly to these things. And, and you know, so who would have thought? I was reading that the mathematical, so if you took like Microsoft being down 50%, Amazon, uh, Meta, and Disney, and then you did... Your what's your statistical probability of that happening? It was more likely that you would win the Powerball than that those four things would happen. So, outside of like a one-time black swan event, um, a meteor hits Earth, right? Yeah, well then that's off the table. But it is, it is, it is really crazy. And yeah, I am aggress, I'm aggressively moving into extremely conservative positions right now. Um, and we'll see where things come out on the other, on the other side. But, uh, but as I said, for me to sit down and, you know, me totally retired, right. And to come back and all this stuff and to say, the economy is so uneasy. I'm going to, you know, add another 12 hours on top of my consulting. It just had to be done. But, uh, so look at Vanessa. I went to Disney in 2017 and I loved it. It's a great time. Disney World in Orlando. Stood in Disney World parking lot in 85. So glad I went when I did. Took the family there. So, all right, everybody. I am going to sign out of here and uh, catch a little sleep. It's a day of consulting tomorrow. This show will be up. Thank you for sharing this. We have 1,258 subscribers to the Safety Doc Podcast, which is awesome. If you can... Um, can share it. Uh, I'd love the the channel to grow. You know, obviously that would be great. But um, but yeah, please please do that. So, Bacon saying the reason capitalism isn't working is because uh, allowed it to because it would. Imagine everyone brainwashed and believing. Yeah. So, you're right, Bacon. I think I think you are right on this. Capitalism would work, right? There would be a way for things to products get made, things get delivered, services to be done. And that's being interfered with substantially at a government level. And the fact is like, I've never seen it like this before and never experienced it. So like if capitalism can't prevail, wow. Um, 
It's really alarming. Uh, Vanessa saying, medical care is weighing heavily. My future training maintain funds for everything. Well, God bless you, Vanessa. You're an awesome person and wish you the best. And I've honestly been thinking about medical care also, um, just as in like how many hospitals stay um, solvent. And, you know, as I get older, right, um, or my family members who are older, you know, if they have to have some, you know, short or longer term medical care, what's available for them, you know, um, I started my career in long term care and medical and, uh, you know, years and years ago. So I, you know, but yeah, I, I also have those thoughts, you know, we live within two minutes of a brand new hospital which is, I guess, a good thing. But I'm trying to think, you know, and who's going to be trained? I read a, another story where this guy was, he and his wife decided they would only work with physicians who are 40 and older because they thought the younger physicians didn't have the same level of rigor required for their training. And they weren't as competent. They're trying, you know, trying to learn on the job. Not that they weren't good people, right? But, you know, I, I knew a nurse practitioner who earned her nurse practitioner degree 100% online. 100% online. Wow. Actually, she was good. Probably the exception, but I'm like, that doesn't seem like that's the scenario. So, wow. This is our good friend, Mike McClude. Mike, thank you so much for the super sticker. That is That means a lot to me, so thank you. You've also been a very good uh, supporter, regular supporter of the show. I appreciate that. Everyone for joining us that keep safe. Yeah, keep on the greasy side down, shiny side up. That's a good point. Doc Sunflowers uh, is asking if she got kicked. I didn't kick her out of the chat. No, I didn't. I didn't do anything for to Sunflowers. So unless somebody else as a moderator did something, I did not. So Sunflowers, no, I did not. So Bacon, if you can share that with Sunflowers, no, I did, did not do that. And there was nothing I saw. I appreciate Sunflowers being in the chat. So I'm unless you know something happened here but i i i did not um i've i've actually not been doing any moderating during this show whatsoever so um sorry about that sunflowers so all right okay guys i will i will uh take us out here here we go how were the beans and chili that you had for breakfast they were delicious Thank you for asking, but now I am very gassy. I'm sorry to hear that. Who let the frogs out? Pew, that stinks very bad. I have to open the window. Oh no. My cap flew off and it was sucked into the engine. Holy smokes. The engine just cut out. We should use the decide model to help us make the right decision. Mayday. Mayday. I am declaring a beans and chili emergency. Please advise for landing. Flight 019er, two miles northeast, turn left at 90, maintain 4,800 to establish an approach. 
As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident? And what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perodin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, The velocity of information will empower its readers. Drawing on current events, history, interviews, and scholarship, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast-spinning world. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. There are teachable moments on every page. Buy the Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. Describe the odor. Is it like when something electrical is burning? And so on. Ridiculous, right? We don't shift the investigation to the reporter. But that's covertly what the school district thought needed to happen to prevent their investigation scrambling principals from burning out. And as this paragraph smolders, it would be prudent to consider bringing students with disabilities from the sidelines of safety and center them to active roles of detecting and reporting threats. So we had a rather difficult meeting. Upon due diligence of examining the reporting system, I informed the district representative that I could not justify modifications to the existing model as such changes would make the system less accessible to students. Well, that was a short chit chat. The district folks believed or hoped that the threat input system could be modified and maintained with fidelity. I wasn't in alignment with that hypothesis. And so I was thanked and given notice that our partnership would be over at month's end. Business is business. But in school safety, it's never as simple as that. Holy shit, a ghost. Mm -hmm. um, do, do you mind moving out of the way? You're blocking the TV. Oh shit, sorry man. It's okay, thank you. <laughs> 